Steven, I have to admit two things real quick. Ooh, okay. One, you always choose the most thought-provoking movies to discuss. Seriously. Like, I haven't stopped thinking about this movie since, you know, we stopped. Like, I watched it a couple of days ago. It's, it's exciting. Just, yeah, very exciting. And two, thanks to you choosing this movie, I now do not question how to spell Annihilation. Because I've had to write it <laughs> so many damn times. Like, the first few times I had to keep looking it up, and now, I, with confidence, I can spell Annihilation. You're welcome. <laughs> I knew how to do that because of that Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, oh, that's a good one, too. That's a good nice. point. And now, Chuck and Ruff go to the movies. Welcome, everybody, and I'm going to start over because I just screwed up. Hold on. <laughs> Maybe I should just keep that in for funsies, huh? Hello, everyone, and welcome to a shimmering journey of Chuck and Ruff go to the movies. My name is Jeffrey Chuck Norris, and I am joined, as always, by my brother, Robert Ruff. Robert, how are you doing today? Doing great, you? I am doing well. This is day two of three off for me, and it has just been a relaxing time. This is day one of three off for me, and I literally just woke up 30 minutes ago. You're off to a great start then. Yeah. 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 You're here recording with me and a guest. It doesn't get much <laughs> better than that. This is true. This is true. And we're talking about a fun movie today. But before we do that, you know, we got a, some, you know, business to take care of real quick. Uh, are you excited for the Super Bowl tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I'm um, going to go to a buddy's house. I'm making some uh, bacon mac and cheese. I'm going to think I'm going to throw it on the Traeger for mm. a little while. See if I get this little smoky flavor in there. Mm, that sounds yummy. Yeah. And he's cooking a brisket and oh my sausage gosh. and all that good stuff. Smoking it. So I might just have Should to be fun. Texas for tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> For those of you who do not know, my brother does make some really awesome mac and cheese. Just throwing that out there. Um, well, that sounds exciting. I, I'm probably going to watch some of the game. I'm going to be 100% honest. I honestly don't care about either teams in the in the Super Bowl. And the halftime show also really does nothing for me. So I'm, I'm going to be lucky no. if I make it to the halftime show. I'm not well, a big fan of Rihanna. I'm just yeah, throwing that I, out there. Yeah, couldn't care less. So last year's um, uh, halftime show was pretty awesome, and I don't know if they're going to be able to top that. I don't even remember what last year's was. That was Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, uh, Eminem, yeah. Mary J. I remember. Awesome. Anyway, now I remember. Yeah. Moving on. So we have a trip into the unknown today, but before we dive in, I do have all the usual requests. Be sure to give the show a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the best ways to keep up with us and Twitter, too. You know, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out how much I really like Twitter. But, you know, I do update that every once in a while. I updated it today. In fact, uh, links to our social medias can be found in our show notes. Rate and review the show wherever you are capable of doing so. And make sure you are subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcast from. Never miss an episode. Encourage everyone, you know, to do the same. So now it is time to head to the theater. For all that pre-show entertainment. (laughs) 
So we do have a guest with us today. Hello, Stephen. How you doing? Hello. I, I'm doing good. I'm back. You're back. You know you're back. you. You're, <laughs> guess who's back? Back it is me. okay. <clears throat> it is you. Uh, you always come on for some really exciting movie talks, and this one is uh, a pick, a choice of yours. And um, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Yes. But you know, how you doing, buddy? It's been a while. Uh, I'm I'm doing good. Uh, you guys were talking earlier about how you're like in the middle of vacation. I had to work today. Ugh. Oh, uh, I'm not in the middle ugh. of vacation. I worked last night. I got off at six this morning. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's just time. You know, it's Gross. just our normal yeah. like off days for yeah, us. Yeah, no. Man. No, but uh, I'm, I'm doing good. Doing my thing. Doing your thing. I like it. Uh, you are recovering from the Rona. So, the Rona, yeah. Yes, so. we feel for you. We do. So, uh, Trying you understand if you my... uh, let loose a cough or two. I, yes, I will. I will do my best to mute before that happens. Like I said, it's, you know, yeah. I've got it mostly under control. So, I think we're good. Well, excellent. Well, are you excited to talk about some movies? Oh, absolutely. Always. Awesome. Well, uh, this is the part of the show where Robert and I usually talk about uh, anything new or exciting that we've been watching since the last time we spoke. Uh, you know, you don't have to go through the entire list since the last <laughs> time you've been on the show. But what have you been watching recently that uh, you want to kind of just shout out real quick? Oh, man. Uh, so recently, um trying to think as far as like new movies go because you know you you just watch like the same thing over and over again like of course i've watched the lighthouse since last time because that's what i do (laughs) oh i I, I can't can't do that i watched it once and i've tried so hard to like that movie we can't i watched it once and i i don't know if i'll ever watch it again (laughs) i I, it's like it's top five favorite movies of all time Wow. Okay. Absolutely okay. adore that movie. It might sell, help. sell me it on it. Might no, yeah. Help that the the first time I watched it, I got progressively drunker with the characters. <laughs> nice. So I felt like I got to go on that journey with them. Okay, maybe that's where we screwed up. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> An immersive well, experience. Um, but uh, so as far as new things go, uh, not so much movies, I guess, but uh, television. I, welcome television here. Yeah, the um, <clears throat> I'm keeping up with The Last of Us. Don't know if you guys are oh, watching. So good. I'm waiting for it to end, and I'm going to binge it. Not uh, a bad. Well, idea then we can't because, talk about it. Then. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I, I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> anyway. Obviously, but um, <clears throat> the uh, there are so far there have been two episodes, episodes two and four. Ironically, like. I would have rather like had another episode to go after those were over. Um, but that is ironically enough, a show that is so emotionally taxing. I'm kind of okay with having a week in between episodes. Yes, absolutely. Especially after that <laughs> third one, that third yeah. episode, I needed some time to recover after that. It, wow. It's doing this weird thing where like the odd number episodes are really devastating to watch. Oh, I know because the first one, one was three gone. and five have been something else. And two I haven't and four watched were five like, yet. Ah, I'm all right. Uh, um, all right. But it's, uh, and it's one of the, it's, it's a wonderful adaptation in that uh, I am someone who is extremely familiar with the game and I'm getting surprises left and right, but it's, it's familiar enough that I'm like, Oh yeah, this is the last of us. So with you being familiar with the gameplay and everything like that, Mm -hmm. how, 
I, I know they're going to have to stray from the game storyline uh, quite a bit in order to make something a little bit more uh, screen uh, friendly. But like, how much are they? Have they strayed so far? So so tell? far, episode three is the only one that's really different. Almost okay. everything else, it, it it's weird because of how familiar I am with the game. Like, um, so in episode two, when they're in the museum. Mm-hmm. and the things ensue inside of the museum. Um, yeah. It was weird to watch that because it was like, oh yeah, this is where the gameplay starts, and this is the exact layout of the room from the game. This is really jarring to watch. So if anything, it's almost detrimental to me as someone who is very familiar, because I'm like, oh yeah, this is the part where I, I start sneaking around, and I have to make sure I craft a uh, mine or something like that. So like, oh, that's the and it's weird to watch it because I don't think it comes across that way if you don't know the game. Because in the show, it's it's what it's very well paced. It's like okay, we have had character development. Now we have to have action, as opposed yeah. to where I'm like, I just watched a cutscene gameplay time. Gotcha. That's where I was disappointed in um, Halo because it. Yeah. So yeah, this is a this is an awesome counterpoint to Halo on how you can change things and still be really faithful to what you're adapting. Cause Halo the was just episode. Not. Right. Yeah. The last episode of Halo, you kind of got the gameplay aspect of yes. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping they continue that into season two, but the, I mean, the, the show for until the last episode was not what I was expecting at all, you know? Well, and it, it's not even just not what I was expecting because I don't mind that, especially like, Episode three, I don't know if either of you are familiar with the game, but they completely change how certain characters act and are and like what their role is. Like they wildly change things in episode three uh, from the game, but it's all in service to tell a better story. I never felt that way with Halo. I always felt like I could I felt like I could see the writers being like. This game story is dumb. Let's do something different. That's what it felt like watching Halo. Um, this is like being co-written and co-directed by the guy who made the games. Oh, see, oh, I didn't know better. that. Yeah. Yeah. The second episode was actually directed by him. It was his first time ever working nice. live action. Wow. So it's, and that's an amazing can, episode, can, too. It, right? Yeah. The direction episode two is really good. Um, but so you can tell that it, it's constantly being they really care for the source material, but I also think this is just better than the game as far as the story goes. Like everything they've done is better. Oh, see, that's which you know makes sense because they're not having in a video game. You have to think about well, we can't just have people talk to each other for an hour and a half. <laughs> that's not a video yeah. game. Yeah, you have to you have to make them do things. So the show has the has the ability to not do that. They can just pace everything around character beats and story and they're doing a really great job of that to the point where like this is doing the thing that always frustrated me like it's it's fixing the problem i always had with the walking dead which is the walking dead they just they find a new place and then they sit there for a season and a half and it's the most boring thing (laughs) this is just this is like a journey into the west we have to go west and so they're just constantly moving in and running into new things and like zombie land. Kind of, yes. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, I mean, it's... it's Pacific Playland, yeah. Ironically enough, it is, we have to go that way. There's a point over there we need to get to, so let's get walking. Nice. But yeah, so I've been keeping up with that, and then um, my watching for the first time for me, very old, but uh, I'm starting in on The Sopranos for the first time. Oh, nice. Uh, and I just finished season two not too long ago. Actually, while I had COVID, I was like, I, ha- I literally can't get out of bed, so I guess let me start a new show. And I'd never seen The Sopranos. I love gangster movies. So, so I what do you think? Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It turns out, who to thunk it, The Sopranos is really good. <laughs> See, and they call that one of the best shows on TV ever, and which I agree. And But one of the other so-called best shows on TV ever was The Wire. Did you ever watch The Wire? So no, but I've heard, like, I have heard both of those things talked about the same way. I... I I couldn't I watched the whole series but I couldn't get into it. Really? It, so I think that the wire is inconsistent in as far as its seasons go, like there are yes. certain seasons that are just better. And I think my expectations were too high going in because everybody mm. says, "Oh, that's one of the greatest like probably top 2 shows of all time." And I just I yeah. watched it I was like, "Where are you getting that from?" <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's such a weird thing with television like because um i was never one to get into watching tv especially like long running extended things where you need to keep up episode to episode outside of maybe smallville like i watched like the first four seasons of smallville live um but i remember everyone talking about loss like people want to talk about the reaction to game of thrones ending they need to remember back to when that originally happened lost <laughs> when like everyone I knew and this is before the internet, but everybody that I knew watched lost and then the ending of the show happened and everybody was angry at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody was happy. And I think people are starting to maybe come around on the idea of what was going on. No. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have no desire to watch lost. Like to me, if something ends poorly, I don't want to. I don't want to invest the time. I know how Sopranos ends, and I like the way that that sounds that it ends. So I'm okay with that. Um, so here's here's my argument for Lost. Yes, it has a very disappointing ending, just like Game of Thrones. But everything right. that built up before it is worth the journey. But that's you what just kind of have to. You kind of have to get over really the good. the. Like I knew how Game of Thrones was going to end before I even sat down to begin watching it officially. Uh, and that that still did, you know, I still enjoyed the journey. In fact, I think I've talked about this on the show before. It enhances the journey, knowing where it's going and just mm-hmm. watching how you arrived there, knowing it's going to get there. It's a completely different experience than if you watched it from beginning to end, not knowing where it was going to yeah. end. So same thing. Uh, with that, Lost <clears throat> has so much to offer despite its crappy ending. I, I say <laughs> give it a try. Uh, I see. I can't do that. I am filled with existential dread if I know the ending's gonna suck. Like it is a surefire way to get me to not watch something, especially a television series where I'm like I'm pouring like forty to eighty hours into this thing. I'm like, I, if I'm gonna do that and the ending's gonna suck, I'll play a video game instead. Like, I, I'd rather use those forty hours to do that. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm very picky, choosy with my television watching. It's very rare that I'll stick something through an entire like, you know, 
an entire series watch. But like right now for me, it's waiting on the boys so far, the last of us and the Sopranos. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to say another reason that lost fans probably had a lot to complain about the way it ended is that basically we were lied to for six seasons. Yeah. JJ Abrams likes to do that. He's like, Oh man, I've got this cool mystery. And then behind the scenes, he's like, I don't know what it is. We spent six seasons. Like they're not dead. They're not dead. They're not dead. And Oh, uh, I'm no, they're super uh, <laughs> uh, full jaw. I'm the biggest troll ever. You know, gotcha. that's why I think we were disappointed. Mainly. Yeah. I, 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 Robert, you can chime in here. You're a lost fan. What do you think? Same. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but anyway, that's one show that I did watch when it came on TV because this was before streaming and stuff. Sure, so I was yeah. invested watching every single week, every single season. And then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Sopranos, uh, yeah, I've never actually watched the show myself. I, I guess I need to sit down and give it a it's, shot. Um, it, was, it was really surreal watching it because it was kind of like if you had watched all of the gangster movies or like mob movies and then you go back and watch The Godfather and you're like, oh, that's why everything is the way that it is. Gotcha. Because <laughs> The Godfather started it. This is like it's very specifically... I was watching like in the middle of the first season. I'm like, what am I thinking of this entire time? And it's, this is Grand Theft Auto. Every Grand Theft Auto game is trying <laughs> to be this. Nice. Like the way the, the snappy dialogue and like the, in it's, I'm finally getting to the, like to the parts where the show's getting, uh, it apparently gets really weird, I guess, eventually uh, with Tony's dreams and stuff. And so I'm excited to get to the weird stuff in a mobster show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's, that's what I've been. Uh, that's what I've been watching mostly. Okay. Nice. Nice. Robert, what do you got? Uh, what have I been watching? I've, uh, well, as you know, I restarted Dexter. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what, three weeks ago when you were here. I know. And I can't believe what you're on season seven already. Uh, I'm on season Whoa. eight. Oh, eight. I'm season eight. eight. Dang. It's been four weeks ago you were here, but yeah, I'm halfway done with season eight. And then I got the, when I finished that, I'll watch that new blood season. And then I'm done. So um, I never watched the new blood uh, season. Of Dexter, so. And I guess Showtime just announced that they're not doing a second season. I wasn't aware that they were setting that up to be a new show. So the second season that. was canceled. Yeah, we were just, I sent Jeffrey something about it the other day. Um, they canceled the second season. And from what I saw is they want to do spinoff series with old Dexter characters, like prequels and stuff. Like um, the Trinity Killer and things so like right. that. They want to do like the um, <clears throat> the Trinity Killer prequel. Um, apparently, it's already in development. So. Do you think that could work? Because I always found that like Dexter's the most interesting part of that show. I think it will... Uh... Even though I told I Robert I'd much him. rather have a new blood season two, I think it I would work would. to do a spin-off. Uh, because like Trinity Killer is probably one of the most notorious bad guys in the Dexter mm-hmm. library. Uh, in fact, definitively, I would say he's the number one bad guy in the Dexter right, library. Yeah. Um, so doing a spinoff series, like, yeah, we know part of his history and stuff like that. But, you know, like, <laughs> I think it would be interesting to dive more into, you know, 
what really did draw like his driving forces and stuff like that the life he led you know the facade he put on and you know obviously you're not going to be able to get john lithgow to come back in do it sure. because unless you're going to really spend the money to age him down or anything <laughs> yeah. like that but well, no i mean they could do like uh i don't know um well they, i don't, don't want to spoil anything um <laughs> they could do kind of like what they did yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But I <laughs> don't think that would work. I don't think, I don't it would think work. so either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to spell this. <laughs> yeah. <for> you, Steven. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it said multiple um, prequels are interesting be, okay. being talked about, but the Trinity one apparently is already in the works. I mean, there, yeah, there's just so many different facets that you can, you know, follow there and stuff like that. It doesn't even have to be like. It doesn't even have to be killer related too. I mean, like Miguel was probably one of the most intriguing characters, right? Uh, from season three, like an entire show about Miguel, no, product, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. There's just so many options you can go on with this. Or every yeah. season just focuses on a different character, kind of like a kind of like an American horror story type. Uh, you know, it's an anthology series more than just uh, you know several seasons about the same thing. And, like, yeah. I want to say that that wouldn't work, but then, like, Better Call Saul, most people like that more Man. than Breaking Bad, so. I don't I don't like it more, but it was really good. <clears throat> I've, I've never watched, like, Breaking Bad was always, like, there are zero good characters, and <laughs> it's, it's the same thing, like, I reason that <laughs> I really couldn't get into Game of Thrones. I'm like, everyone's a despicable monster. Like, I need something here. Try try uh, uh, Better Call Saul. It's actually really good. That's what I want to do is I I want to get into that because I've seen clips from that and that seems much more about like, I mean, I know Breaking Bad's a great drama and I've seen enough like bits and pieces of episodes. Like I've had friends just sit me down and like, you need to watch this episode from season three or whatever, because I think the way that you, like, um, film. this is more character driven. Yeah. And that's what it seems like. And so I'm like, I might give that a chance because i started listening to a podcast that's going episode by episode through breaking bad and I, I can get through like a half hour of that and not feel like my soul is dying on the inside <laughs> <laughs> there's know, no judgment fair. obviously i watch like morally reprehensible stuff all of the time i don't know what it is there's just certain things where i'm like man this gives me too many of the feel bads <laughs> yeah. can't sit well, through it <laughs> if you can if you can sit through podcast where they where every different episode of the podcast is about a different episode of a tv show uh and you don't want to sit down and try to sit through game of thrones you know i we've talked about this before also on the show uh there's another great podcast out there binge uh binge mode that is done episode by episode of game of thrones oh, and they start out about 30 minute episodes but as the as it progresses it gets to about two hour episodes i'm not gonna lie there <laughs> But it, like, is, screw it. It, it makes it so much easier to yeah, wallow if you don't want to watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. I also like I read the first three books and for whatever reason, I, I like I liked the book. I wound up liking the books way more than the show. Well, um, not the show's bad. So much, well, there's so much more to it. Well, it, yeah. And like they, they cut out some pretty significant stuff that feels important to characters that I'm not sure how they would get resolved in the show if it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that's another reason. That's another thing where like those books aren't done yet, so I'm not reading them until I see an ending and if it's good or not. Yeah, I mean, we all want to know how George R. R. Martin wants to end this, not the way the show did. 
I don't think he's ever going to write that last book. Nah, he's going <laughs> to die. He'll be dead. He'll die before it's <laughs> over, and then Brandon Sanderson will come in and take his manuscripts and finish it, just like he did the Wheel of Time. So, it's a good point. <sighs> cool. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. No, good. What else you been watching, uh, Robert? <laughs> so moving on, uh, I watched a couple uh, rewatches. Um, Captain Ron. Man, that movie's nice. so funny. I forgot yeah, how funny Kurt movie. Russell is in that movie. <laughs> um, I rewatched the uh, Man of the Iron Mask. Oh which, yeah, uh, I haven't seen it in a really long time, and I had a lot of issues with it. There's really. a ton of issues. With well, that. not a lot of issues, but one main issue. They're in France. Half the people speak with a French accent, and half the people speak with an American accent. It's kind of weird. To be honest, I, I yeah. haven't seen that movie in like it, over a decade now. <laughs> like Leonardo DiCaprio has an American accent. Oh, I think two, three of the wait, okay, two of the four um, musketeers have American accents, <laughs> but they're all French, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's just yeah. it's an awful movie. Awful acting from a majority of the cast. Oh, well, I, I like the movie. I just didn't like that. Yeah. Uh. I'd much I'd much rather sit down and watch Disney's The Three Musketeers. Well, see, I like the movie because it shows the Musketeers after all that, you know, um, after retirement, and that's what I like about it. Yeah, just wish it was done. I could do it without Leonardo DiCaprio. I've never been a big fan, but Whoa. he just happens to be in it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> neither of us are. No, I mean, the best really, Leonardo like DiCaprio job was Django Unchained. I like. What about Inception? Inception's fun. But not for him. Yeah, whatever. He's fine in that. Eh. Just like he's eh. Eh in uh, Don't Look Up. Just Don't Look Up is a stupid movie. <laughs> All right. It should have been. I wish it was not. Netflix has this issue with their comedies where it's like there is no editor. Uh, so it's like I need I need these jokes to be tighter and faster. Like this yeah. isn't as funny as you think it is. Yeah, that's that's actually very good. I like that. Uh, a couple more things. I watched a. This is just a forty-minute-long documentary on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, um, <laughs> called "Fire in Paradise" about that big mm. fire they had a couple years ago. Man, that was a good documentary, and it's uh, it's crazy how fast that fire spread too. Um, but yeah, if you got a extra forty minutes, it's a good watch. I will and say Netflix I, kills it on the documentaries. Yeah, yeah, they really do, especially the killer documentaries. Oh yeah, about killers and stuff. <laughs> well, you said they kill it, so never. Mind. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, um, anyway, <laughs> uh, then I went to the movies the other day, and I saw "Knock at the Cabin," the new I M was, Night uh, Shyamalan. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's. How would you rank it amongst the good M Night Shyamalan movies? Oh, well, what's a good M Night Shyamalan movie? Like the first four or five, like signs through the village. That's like the first two. Six then. <laughs> no, six, Unbreakable. Oh, oh, no, I thought, I thought you said six. six. You said signs. Yes. So signs is my favorite. Signs. Yeah, uh, okay, so signs is my favorite. Not Lady one. in the Water. Um. That movie's not as bad as everybody says it is. Yeah, I kind of like Lady in the Woods. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> okay, my top five M. Night Shyamalan movies. Okay. Um, Signs. Yeah. Yeah. The Village. Of yeah. course. Sixth Sense. Yes. 
I want to say say a split would be next. Yes. I like splits. Ah, okay. Yes, and then I probably are, put this one in there. We are oh, in okay. number five. Right. So you you would put it Maybe. in the Yeah, I think I put it in top five. Uh well, I don't well, know. Well then what are you bumping? Unbreakable. Well, oh. Unbreakable wasn't in your top but, five to begin with. You said signs, the village, yeah. six signs. I listed four, and then that was number five. Oh, I thought you listed five. No. I can't count five. I can't count. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's not top five. (laughs) It might not be top five, but I I really did enjoy the movie. Yeah, it's Um, a really cool concept, and I've always meant to read the book. I just, I haven't. Yeah, it is based on a book. Yeah, this is not an M. Night Shyamalan original. Well, he wrote the script for it, but yeah, you're right. But I mean, it's not an original story. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Seems to be on a run of that recently. Like, old, I think, was a French comic or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, it was was some kind of graphic novel. I didn't like it. (laughs) It was weird. I didn't mind the visit. It was all right. Yeah, the visit wasn't bad. Um, Everybody craps on the happening, but I kind of like the happening. I like... The thing with the happening is like there are scenes that are just awesome and the idea is great, but his decision to like try and make it like a B fifties horror movie, I'm like, why would you do this? <laughs> I would like to note that it, it was his first R-rated movie, and it was also it was. one of his first movies to bomb. Drastic. Yes, that was that was the one where it was like because I remember Lady in the Water. Uh, that was the first one where my friends were like, I don't really like this. I'm like, I thought it was kind of cool. It was like meta yeah, It was fun. That He's guy making who fun just, of critics and stuff. That guy who uh, just did the, the weightlifting on the one arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that movie was great. Um, but uh, yeah, the happening was, I remember that was a big part of the advertising was it's rated R. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, and it turns out, I think it, it's, it's, it turned out because everyone thought it was because of the violence. He added the, all of like the super gory stuff later. It was just when he wrote the script and turned it in, they're like, dude, it's suicide. It's going to be rated R. What do you yeah. Mean? I mean, I figured the R There's rating no way to get was that. about the, you know, the guy like, yeah, people, like throwing themselves off buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. That's like, he's like, it's like, you're having cities of people kill themselves. Yeah, you can't make that tough. movie and it not be rated. R. <laughs> yeah. There's like almost little to no cussing in it too. So <laughs> it's just yeah. all about the, the suicide in it, but yeah, it does have Zoe Deschanel in it. So I mean, it like she's great. Yeah, she's gorgeous. <laughs> Give us more Zoe. Um, cool. Oh yeah, and that's it. That's all I watched. Nice. Well, I've enjoyed these conversations. I have nothing to contribute to this except for the fact that I've been watching The Last of Us. So, nice. Yeah, this was my Robert. This was my new movie of the week. Uh, the movie we're about to discuss. So that counts. Uh-huh. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Steven, I'm not sure you're aware. I've been so bad about rewatching the same crap over and over <laughs> and over that I have challenged myself to watch one new movie a week. And since it nice. hasn't been that long since our last recording, this counts as my new movie. I would say week. so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that brings us to our mystery question today. So I've got a rather... Ooh. Thought-provoking yet interesting mystery question for us today. Would you volunteer to take a trip into an unknown situation, such as the one presented in this movie, given that the only thing you truly understand about it 
is that no one before you has returned. Go. Steven, what would you do? Absolutely, yes. You would? No hesitation. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because why not? I mean, well, no. <laughs> we all have self-destructive <laughs> tendencies. Yes. <laughs> okay, Ventress. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, no, okay, so on the, only on the um, uh, stipulation that it looks like this. Like, it can't be like, oh, we don't know why they keep going down in this volcano and they never come back. It's weird. <laughs> like, you know, I wouldn't do that, obviously. <laughs> nice <laughs> so so it's got to be a shimmer what about a mist would you go into the mist uh yeah because like i drive into that pretty regularly <laughs> that's fair you do live in florida yeah and, and funny thing about this movie it was the book was written because the dude visited florida and thought it looked weird here so really wrong yep huh. yep uh, but so yeah i would 1000 percent do it and like i i've discovered like someone i remember posted like a meme about the evil dead remake and they're like there's always this one dude who's gonna open the book and read it even though it says not to in blood and i'm like i would definitely be that guy i would totally read the book <laughs> i it's just i'm at that point in my life now where i'm like why not i'm sure what have i got to let's lose? see what happens nice okay all right yeah, so i would do so it. you would be a hard yes uh robert what about you i think i'm good <laughs> i think i'm good ah, I'm like nope i'll be on the in the control <laughs> room um yeah i'll be in the control room seeing what happens when they get back or if they come back or just whatever happens there but i don't know if i'd really want to go in i don't know curiosity I mean, might get the best of me See, that's it. That's that. That's just it. You know, like, I, I feel like I'm a no. Like, you know, they say you should pay attention to red flags. Well, this is the biggest red flag I've ever seen in my entire life. People going into something and not coming out of it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to lie. The curiosity of it would be probably the biggest driving force for me to at least think about it. What if they're having a cool party in there? Well, heck, oh, yeah, I'm going. But. <laughs> What if there's a mutated bear that can speak with the um, voice of those it consumes ready to eat me? Schrodinger's yeah, cat, man. You're never going to know until you go in there. Uh, Schrodinger, damn it, you have to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be party. It is both a party and the creepy bear. It's both at the same time until you go yeah. in and find out. Until you find out. So is the creepy no, bear partying? Right. It might be, it might be creepy bear party. Oh, oh, there's multiple possibilities. We could, we could always have the uh, multiple universe theory here. Exactly. Uh, well, I, I would still say the uh, odds uh, of failure are too great, so I'm just going to um, stand off. I give myself a ninety percent chance of not going in. <laughs> I give myself an eighty. You know. I I might be persuaded. Someone might attach a line to me and drag me kicking and screaming. I don't know. You know, don't don't rely on me to save humanity, I guess, you know, is all I'm saying. Um, well, let's go ahead and gather up our equipment, journey through this shimmer, and we're going to discuss today's motion picture event, Annihilation. So it was alien. Can you describe its form? No. Was it carbon-based? 
What did it want? I don't think it wanted anything. So, we are continuing our women soldiers theme here from uh, our G.I. Jane discussion on our last episode. So, a uh, quick synopsis of the movie. Senator Amidala leads Jane the Virgin, Valkyrie, and Daisy Domergu into the unknown. Cue Brendan Urie's hit Frozen 2 song, Into the Unknown. Shall I start singing for y'all? No? Um, no. All right. <laughs> Good. I, I can't hit those notes that Brendan can. I really can't. Uh, Natalie Portman's husband, played by Oscar Isaac, has mysteriously returned after a top-secret mission. When the government tracks him down, they are both taken to a secure facility where Portman discovers some of the truth around her husband's mission. She volunteers to go with a group into the Shimmer despite the knowledge of uh, failed expeditions that went before them. Can this group of misfits achieve something that the others couldn't, or are they doomed to the same fate? And that is the movie Annihilation. So some fun movie facts here. The movie was released on February 23rd, 2018. It had an estimated budget of $40 million, grossed $11.1 million on opening weekend, and did an overall gross of 43.1. So it at least made, a, made back its money. On Rotten Tomatoes, it carries a critic score of 88% certified fresh and an audience score of 66%. So this is a pretty divided group here. Um, yeah, I don't know if a lot of people understood it. So maybe that's, that's why. <laughs> that's the thing. You know, um, quite honestly, I sat there for probably about a good 30 minutes to an hour after I, the movie ended really really thinking about it and then it it just took a while for me to click about what the movie was really about and i was like oh oh okay all right now i understand so yeah some people it took a little bit longer um my buddy justin said he had to watch it twice before he figured out what it was like really about so yeah i can see that absolutely i actually saw this movie oh go ahead no, I was just going to say the trailers for this movie did it no favors because they positioned it like an action sci-fi. Yeah. Um, that yeah, it wasn't that. And it is not that. So. No, not at all. It's got, to, it's got its moments, but I don't <laughs> it think it would really qualify it, as that. But they are very few and far between. Absolutely. So I actually saw this movie in the theater when it first came out uh, with the girls, Sadie. We went and saw it. And when I left it, I was like, Okay, so watching it the second, this is the first time I've watched it since I saw it at the theater. I understood it a lot more this time than I did last time. Yeah. Yeah, I I saw it three times in the theaters, I believe. Oh, nice. Wow. Um, I, I mean, ever since watching 28 Days Later and reading about who Alex Garland was, uh, I was like, oh, I'm a fan of this guy because then he wrote Sunshine, which is like an incredible sci-fi movie. Ex Machina was great. Um, so I was there. All I needed to see was his name on the screen. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go. Uh, and so, so the funny thing about 28 Days Later, me and my dad went and saw it in the theater. And neither of us liked it at all. We literally walked out of the theater and went and saw something else. And I've never done that before. But now it's one of my favorite movies. It's because he, Alex Garland, <laughs> writes weird ass movies. I don't know if you guys yeah. have seen Men. Not yet. Men I've heard good in, things about it. It's incredible. It's like the last 30 to 40 minutes of that movie are like the most confusing, horrifying, beautiful minutes and movies I've ever seen. Like, it's, I think Annihilation is still my favorite Alex Garland movie, but Men is really high up there. It's so. Weird, like it's such a weird movie. 
Um, but that's what Alex Garland does. Like he, I feel like he's intentional. I've never seen the show Devs, but I've heard that's really good too. And he wrote that. Yeah. Um, but that seems to be his thing, where he'll write a movie the first time you watch it, you're like, I don't know how I feel about that. So, in my looking into Alex Garland, I must have skimmed over his writing credits. I had no idea that he uh, um, was behind Sunshine because. Yeah. All of a sudden, like as I'm watching this movie, I actually thought to myself, it's like I see a lot of the plot points of Sunshine in this movie. So he I mean, if you look even look at like the plot of 28 Days Later, where he loves having his oh, what's the what's the name of the guy in Apocalypse now? Is it Conrad? The that they're oh, going God, to find. God, you I've Yeah, I haven't seen that, that movie, movie so long. I don't remember. Yeah. Marlon Brando or uh not, yeah, it was Marlon Brando, his character. But, like, they're going to find, they're going into the heart of darkness to, they're going on this crazy journey, and they're going to meet this person who's looked into the void and been changed for forever. And that happens in 28 Days Later with the commander and his troops. Uh, it happens in Sunshine with the captain mm-hmm. of the ship as he's been staring into the sun. Uh, and it, you watch it happen in Annihilation um, with, uh, what's her name, Rodriguez's character. Yeah where she gets fundamentally changed and then like can't handle it and breaks. But he likes, he, you could tell he likes that kind of weird trope where a character has been sitting with this dark reality and gets broken and reshaped by it. Well, we, it's a, it's a big, it's a big sci-fi plot point. I mean, again, you, we've, we've talked about sunshine. You talk about 28 days later, uh, also, uh, very prevalent in movies like event horizon. Yes. uh, yes. Things like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful plot point. It really does work. And when done, uh, properly, it's a very effective tool. And I think Alex Garland did a great job with it here. Yeah. I've noticed he likes to get a lot of the same actors in all his movies. Well, what yeah. movie? What movie? Um, what movie creator? Well, I mean, wh- seriously, but what filmmaker? Oh, does, there's a lot of you know, yeah. There's a lot that do that. Like Tarantino does that a lot too. Nolan and, does it. Yeah, Nolan does that. Yeah, guilty of it. Spielberg likes to work with the same people. It's just yeah. everybody's guilty of it. This was a very interesting cast. So I know we're not there though, but this was a very interesting cast in this movie. Yes. Like people I'd never would have thought I'd ever see work together in a movie before. So very, fa- very fascinating. Uh, anyway, back to uh, the uh, critics. Um, so back to the uh, reviews section here. I actually wrote down a couple of reviews that I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, the first one being. Uh, someone said, this is the kind of film that made me stand outside the theater as it closed for 30 minutes with my friends talking about it, which I think is very appropriate for the conversation that we all just had, because this is one of those movies where you have to sit there. You're kind of forced, whether you like the movie or not, you're kind of forced to sit there and think about it and talk it through because there's so much to unpack. There was a lot of subtle subject matter and there was a lot of overt subject matter and you got to try to piece the cut up. up. (laughs) Yeah. You got to kind of put the puzzle pieces together to get the full picture. And even now, sitting here talking with you guys, almost three days after watching this movie, I still don't even think I have the full puzzle put together. So, um, 
this is definitely one of those movies. It's very, and you know, bring up Inception. Inception's one of those movies. People are still debating about it mm-hmm. to this day, trying to put the pieces together. Even though Christopher Nolan and Michael Caine have all come out and they've all said they're like bit about it. Was he really in a dream or was he in the real world? You know, people will still debate about that till probably the day the earth ends. But this is just one of those great movies that makes you stand around, with, again, whether you liked it or not, and it just sticks with you and you want to think about it and you want to talk about it. Steven, the last movie that you introduced to me that made me do this was Hereditary. I still <laughs> think about Hereditary at least once a week. Yeah, that movie. You should. I had, to, I had to watch it. I had to watch it because so I could listen to the y'all's uh, talk about it because I'd never seen it before. But that movie gave me so much anxiety. Right? When, when when her head came off and he just came home and left her in the car and went to bed, oh I was like, God. "Oh my gosh, his parents are gonna find her." The more like I, I wanted to turn it off at that point. I was like, "I I don't know if I can do this. Can't handle this." <laughs> but that was the turning point of the movie because you realize it's not about her when you they want to you, they want you to believe it's about her from the very beginning of the movie. It's so it it was wonderful filmmaking, absolutely wonderful filmmaking. Ari Aster, I'm sorry. As as wonderful as I think, Mid, not wonderful, but as good as I think Midsummer is now, <laughs> it's not wonderful. As good as I think that movie is now and everything else, I, I still think Hereditary was, wow, just some of the best filmmaking I think I've seen in a long time. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, does anybody else have any reviews that they want to review? Go over. Yeah, I wrote that one. Um, it's an exploration of the weight of our own mistakes, how, we, uh, how the choices we make and the things that we can't change fundamentally change us. That is yeah. basically the movie yeah. in a nutshell. Yep. Yeah, I didn't. I always forget to look at the reviews because, <laughs> especially with this movie, because like I, like I said, I went to go see it a lot in theaters, and then, much to my dismay, I either saw no one talking about it, or people were like, "I don't know, I didn't get it. It was boring." And I'm like, uh, like, "Come on, man! This movie's awesome." So I went through the pain of watching all of the reviews that just like, you know, like it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't trying to be a movie. It's like, it should have needed an editor. I'm like, what the, God forbid you try to think while you're watching a movie. Oh my God. So it's painful to look at reviews for this. I start to lose my mind. (laughs) Well, you know, there, there was a reviewer. I didn't write down who wrote this. Um, if I can go back and find it, I will. Um, he literally said, like, be weirder is what he occasionally grunted at the screen. At the same time, studio, like, you know, he wanted it to be a little bit weirder. And then he was marveling at the fact that a studio horror film of this magnitude had so many Oscar winners in it. It's, and, it's a weird movie to have gotten made and have the budget that it has. 40 million. It's like... I, I mean, I'm like, that's. Did anybody read the script? This is a weird movie. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you, do you give it this much money? Do you do you think a lot of that had to do with the fact of the name behind it? I mean, Alex Garland, he's only got three directing credits to his name. Well, but he he's written I mean, a lot. Ex Machina, Ex Machina, that's the thing. 28 Days Later was a huge success. Sunshine, less so. But Ex Machina was really successful. Um, it's a much simpler movie than this. It's so great, but it's it's a much simpler, it's a good movie. It's a weird movie, but it's a good movie. It's weird, yeah. I mean, it's Alex Garland, so it's pretty weird. But I I, I really it. enjoy it. Really, um, you should watch it. 
Yeah, um, it's uh, it's got cool. Oscar Isaac in it. Oscar Isaac's great yeah. in that. That was the first thing I actually ever saw him in. I think that was the first. In fact, while yeah, for um, Star Wars, I was actually looking um, when I was doing the research for this movie, and I was I thought the same thing. I was like, "What was the first thing I've seen him in?" And that was it. So it's Ex Machina was really successful, was very critically acclaimed. I don't know how much money it made, but I have to imagine it was more than this, especially relative to its budget. Ex Machina is a much smaller film. Um, so I guess maybe that him coming off of that, people are like, sure, yeah, why not? You're you're a name in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, and then nobody went to go see this. I think it only released in theaters in America. Everywhere else, I believe it went to Netflix, like straight to Netflix. I'm about to say, if I remember correctly, I mean, this is only 2018, so we're talking what five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of um, publicity behind it. Like I remember there seeing was like a preview for it here and there, but I it really wasn't pushed like a mm-hmm. lot of movies are um, nowadays. Like hell, I I barely remember seeing this. But do you know how many times I've seen a preview for this weird ass looking movie called strays over the past 48 hours yeah. i've yeah, seen a crap ton of freaking that. previews for this yeah. movie that i oh. guarantee you i will not go watch oh absolutely <laughs> i have no desire to see it but it keeps showing up on my feet everywhere everywhere i'm like why what really? makes exactly you think i want this <laughs> if they had done something like that with annihilation maybe i would have gone to see it in movie theaters yeah, and yeah, unfortunately. I mean, to be fair, though, like we were talking about, the, it's like, not that, the, like you were saying, it, there are very subtle things in the movie. There's also very unsubtle things. So it's not like you can't watch this and understand the themes that it's going for. It's just trying to tie the themes into the film itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the difficult part. Like you said, it's a puzzle. It, it gives you all of the pieces and is like, I don't know, put it together. Punk. Yeah, it gives you all the pieces mm. and expects you to put the puzzle together, but it's not going to give you like you don't get the cheat of the cover of the box to try to help yeah. this puzzle put together. You got to fi- kind of figure it out on your own. That's it can be very frustrating, yeah. especially if you don't understand the pieces in the well, puzzle, and especially if it, if it was sold to you like you know yeah. uh, if you, it was I, sold to you like a forty piece puzzle, it turns out it's like a hundred piece puzzle. Yeah. And someone told you it was the picture of a dog and it turns out it's a picture of a zebra. You're like, this is not what I was sold. Exactly. You know, it's it just, I think another way to kind of look at it is I was trying to tell somebody about the movie, uh, the invitation, um, mm. a couple of weeks ago, Robert and I talked about that on our last podcast. It was a movie he and I watched together when I traveled back to Texas last month. And I was like, you know, I said it was an okay movie but i wasn't a fan of no it wasn't it wasn't the invitation it was barbarian it was like it was an okay movie Ah. but i wasn't a fan of the way it ended and this person's like well you didn't do a very good job selling me on this movie why would i watch it and i was like you know you're absolutely you're absolutely right so a lot of the way these films are going to be received by us as uh viewers is the way it's sold and Mm -hmm. it was not sold I, i can guarantee it was not sold the way it was intended to be. No. And it and the way it was sold does not do it justice for the type of movie that it is. But I, I say all that to say, I don't know if critically, if the consensus would be any different if more people did go see it in theaters. It makes me very sad that this movie didn't do better. And same thing for men, because I like both of them because they're both weird ass movies that you have to think about for a little bit. Um, 
and they both reward kind of repeat viewing but it's just like oh unfortunately that's just i mean not unfortunately it's just the fact of the matter it's always kind of been that way that doesn't make a ton of money it's just the movie industry now only rewards the blockbusters it doesn't reward movies like this I was just about to I was just about to say that too. Yeah, we we are unfortunate to live in a time where the most successful movies are the movies that just deliver the the action. It delivers the panache. It delivers um it delivers all the expectations without any hidden meanings, agendas or piecing together of the mysteries and stuff like that. And that the, that's unfortunately the era of movies that we live in. So when I feel like it's been that way for a while yeah. It's been like that for a long time. That's why thought-provoking movies just don't do that well. Because if you have to sit down and really think about what you're watching, it, it's a turnoff to a lot of people. And this and is I one of those movies that, that needs to. I feel like th- that, and that's the brilliance of a movie like this is that, like, I'm again, I'm still thinking about it several days after finishing the movie. Whereas I could sit down and watch a blockbuster movie and be like, oh, okay, that was cool. Move on with my life. I'm not going to be thinking about it for days later. Which I think, I, I also want to stress, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with those kinds of movies. I just like having the option to, <laughs> you know, and I just, I, I, every time like somebody like Alex Garland comes out with a movie and it makes no money, I'm like, how many more of those experiences in a theater am I going to get to have? And I don't think it'll ever go away. Like people are always going to find ways to make interesting movies. Even Martin Scorsese, he's like, he's got that. I do one for them. I do one for me. Like deal that he does where he makes, he makes what the studios want. So he can make a ton of money. So he gets to go make his like small passion project that he wants to do. Um, and that's fine, you know, so we'll always get those smaller movies, but it, it does like make me very sad that like something, and like you said, we'll get to the cast of this, but something as like female led and diverse as this cast is that, and that's a big thing that everybody likes to push for like, even going back to like Ghostbusters 2016, we don't talk um, about that movie. We had a long discussion <laughs> about that on a couple of podcasts ago. <laughs> or like even like the more the Star Wars sequel trilogy, where like people are like, oh well, you know, Ray is the main character. So it's it's a it's your first female-led Star Wars movie. I'm like, that's great. Annihilation is incredible and has all of that, and it's good. <laughs> so you know. Rogue yeah. One yeah. was female led in a far superior yeah. film than episode the sequel truly oh, no, Rogue One was so good. Absolutely. Until The Mandalorian, that was the best thing to come out of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Yes. Whew. All right. So uh I think we're Star Wars in there. All right. Yes. While we're doing this, I'm actually watching um Empire Strikes Back on TV. Nice. 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 It is not a podcast of Chuck and Ruff goes in movies if we don't get at least one reference to Star Wars or the MCU in there. And I think we've already Which done that. I don't think we've done MCU. Well, we we'll do? get the time because cast. we're about to talk about this cast here in a moment. <laughs> and we're you about to get, we would have gotten Star Wars in there, too. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess we could. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah we Natalie Portman in Star Wars. <laughs> hey, we got them both. Uh, Oscar what Isaac character? was Moon Knight and in Star oh, Wars. This is true. Yep. Benedict anyway. Wong was in the MCU. Oh yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, as Wong. 
Yeah, as Wong. Our original. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so I think we've determined why we like watching and discussing this movie. What would you rate it, Stephen? Give it a rating. Oh, gosh, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. And that's not not because it's perfect. I don't think a 10 out of 10 has to be perfect to me. It is just, like you said, whether you like the movie or not, it's going to leave you with a bunch to chew on. And I think to me, that makes it a must watch. Like, I think if you call yourself a science fiction fan, um, particularly if you're like me, who likes science fiction and loves cosmic horror, this is the, like, one of the very few prime examples of how to do cosmic horror uh, in modern film. Like, it's, it's perfect from that perspective. And those are very rare to find uh, across the history of cinema. Like, they've always been trying to make cosmic horror stories and many many times they fail at that um even movies that i like like underwater that's not a very good movie but cthulhu shows up at the end so i'm like hey, you know what i give it a pass uh, <laughs> but uh so yeah for me this is a 10 out of 10 just because what we talked about where it's it's not it has subtleties in it that you can find but it's not trying to be coy about its themes it's just not telling you what it thinks about those. It's letting you kind of suss out what, what you take from the experience. And to me, that's a, that's a 10 out of 10. Well said. Well said, Robert. Uh, I think I'd give it an eight. Um, I don't know how many times I'm going to go back and watch this movie. It was a good movie, um, but I do like movies that are thought provoking and make you think. And, uh, like at the very end when, um, she asks him if if he's uh what was the dude's name? I forgot his name. Kane. Oh, um, Kane. Yeah. Are you Kane? And he's like, I don't know. I don't think so. Are you Lena? And then she doesn't say anything after that. And it just kind of yeah. ends. So is it really her, or is it not her? Or I like movies like that. Um, speaking of which, what do y'all think? Was it her or was it not her? I think it was her. I think it was her too. Um, I don't. Uh, because really? she's holding onto a white phosphorus grenade at the climax of the movie, so she super died. <laughs> Wait, you think? Do you think it's Lena or do you think it's the alien? alien? Oh, yeah. I apologize. I thought you were saying okay. that you thought it was Lena. I'm sorry. I no, like, I think, there's yeah, no I think... way that's Lena. <laughs> super no, 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 no. Well, in like two, so we'll probably get into that later. I think they all stop being themselves much earlier in the movie. And there are signs for that, like, they are, as soon as they enter the Shimmer, they are no longer themselves. Like, it's, they are damned from the beginning. Okay. We can, we can discuss Okay, that. no, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, because they have memories of their past life where the, like, for Kane, he had no, he, like, he didn't know who Lena was. He just had, like, little pictures of her, or his, Kane told, Kane told the alien to go find her, so that's what he did. But he well, also he, found he, he said specifically, like, uh, I recognized you. Right. Yeah. But I, I, he, he doesn't, when they, so when they wake up in the shimmer, which is what, a week later or something, and they have no idea mm-hmm. how they, what, what happened, they, they know their past life. They know what happened before the shimmer. So, but, but so, okay, this is an interesting detail. I won't dwell on it too long. But um, <laughs> the bruise that, like, Lena gets like the quote unquote bruise that she gets that turns into the tattoo. Yeah, that, did you like, notice that, that turns tattoo? into a tattoo that she didn't yeah. have? And it's not only the tattoo that 
uh, I can't ever remember her name, but Rodriguez's character, she has it on her arm at some point. But Anya. it's also on it's Kane's also arm. on the arm of the soldier who they flay his stomach open. Yeah, isn't it on Kane's arm too? Yeah, so like as soon as they get into the shimmer, they start shifting. Like they are no longer themselves as soon as they get in there. Well, they already are entering the prism and their DNA is getting fucked with. Which is something right, that but Luna I still think I still think they're them though. Of blood. No, I, but that's the point of, I mean, to me, that's the message is that like every day you're, are you who you were 10 years ago or are you a different person now? We're ever changing. So I think that well, yeah. as soon as they enter the shimmer, like that's what I'm saying is I don't think the alien is any less Kane or Lena than Lena or Kane are when they go into the shimmer. I think that they are just as genetically in DNAs as they they all coalesce into one. These are big words. Fair enough. That's that's why I think that those because of, like very specifically the tattoo like shit already starts. They've entered the prism. They're getting the the stuff in them. It's just that when you get to the epicenter of it, then obviously you're gonna get a you're gonna get cloned. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, whoops! I <laughs> the ending of the movie. Sorry, that's okay. No, no. <laughs> we don't back. have a particular. We, we don't do. have a particular order to <laughs> say things. Um, so. Well, I'll give my rating so we can dive into all these wonderful thoughts here. Um, so for me, I'm going to give it an eight. I initially gave it a seven, but I'm uh, you know I'm changing my mind here. I want to give it an eight. Um, I think it's a absolutely wonderful film, and the fact that it finally clicked on me that they're talking about cancer. Like this movie is about cancer, not just in its literal form, but in its metaphorical form. And you know, there's a line, and I'll talk about that during the quote section. That Ventress says that just it hit me so freaking hard. Um, that where we arrive at that conclusion. But um, honestly. I think the movie is also a little bit longer than it should have been. Some scenes in this film that were dragged out a little too long. And that's the only reason I don't think it's rated any higher. I didn't mind it. We could cut about a good 15 minutes off of it without destroying the integrity of the film. I, I, yeah, I know. I'm so biased. I, there is no movie that I want to be shorter. I want every movie to be three and a half hours. I mean, granted, there are movies that I wish that were longer, absolutely, but there's also just some long movies where, you know, it's kind of like an extended version of a film. I love extended versions for the most part. I won't watch Lord of the Rings unless it's an extended version, but uh, the extended version of The Hobbit, I'm just like, kill me now. Well, but, I mean, that's me. That's me watching The Hobbit, though. <laughs> no, that's true. That's very true. You know, just the thought of watching The Hobbit makes me want to, you know, like do anything else, anything else. I'll go for a run. But, you know, I don't mind a longer movie, but give me substance in a longer movie. I've just felt like some some of these scenes were just dragged on a little too long. Like, okay, yeah, and like I said, I objectively, I, I would have to agree with you. But it's for me, it's just like I could spend another hour here. I'd be all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's talk about this wonderful cast um, real quick. First up on the list, we have Natalie Portman. We already discussed her. When we did our Garden State, uh, Robert and I did our Garden State episode earlier this ah. season, so we're not going to dive too much more into her. Um, Stephen, did you have anything to add on Natalie Portman? 
Uh, generally, is that uh, I don't think she's a very good actor, to be honest. Oh yeah, hey guys. So uh, Noah Stephen joining but us, I f- and uh, <laughs> we will uh, we wish you well. <laughs> I think I I just think that you know she's. I think she needs a good director, and George Lucas is notoriously. Not a good a bad director. director. <laughs> well, we're not gonna we're not gonna base her off the Star Wars movies. Yeah, no, well, no, but no. and then like it felt Have like that's Garden just State? who she was and everything. Uh, I have not seen Garden State and like Black Swan's fine. That movie's uh, Black fine. Swan's okay, but no, trust me, Garden State. I I said this. I think is her finest acting performance of her career. So maybe that might be true because I really love her in this movie. I think she does a great job playing a very unsympathetic character. Um, and that has a lot to do with my opinions that are formed on the character by the book. Cause in the book you get a lot, it's all from her perspective and mm-hmm. she's wrestling with the idea that she's a sociopath. Um, and like, so she has to like, she doesn't like, she feels things, but like, she's not like truly dead inside like Dexter say, but like, <laughs> like her connections with other people are essentially non-existent and she forces them. Um, so, and I felt like there was a lot of that happening in this character where, like, the way she just talks to other characters is very distant and cold. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just thought Natalie Portman turned in a really good performance in this versus what I normally see from her, which isn't bad necessarily. Um, but I was, I've never been like a huge fan, we'll say. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll forgive that. Okay. <laughs> Robert, do you have anything to add before we move on? Uh, no, although she did once say that she would never do a horror film, then she did this one. Yeah, right. But is this really a true horror film? Truly? It's a cosmic horror film. Sci-fi horror. Yeah, I mean, sci-fi horror, but is this like a Like, I wasn't scared horror, at all. Like, oh, okay, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to take that back. I I'm about say to say something I didn't the mean. Bear. Yeah, the bear. Definitely terrifying, but... Is it like true? I would not call this. I, I, if I were creating a classification list of movies and I came to this one, I would not put this under horror at all. I put it under sci-fi. Sure, maybe a subgenre sci-fi horror, but I, I, I have a hard time saying horror on this one. Hmm. I mean, there are dramas out there that have scary scenes in it. There are action movies out there that have scary scenes in it. Do we call them horror movies? No. Yeah, but like I said, I'm I'm filled with existential dread at the end of this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and how does that make you feel? It's horrified. <laughs> horrified. <laughs> that makes it a horror movie. <laughs> Fine. So I'm then Natalie Portman went back drama. on her word. She did a horror movie. I thought Mars Attacks was scarier. Um, this is a scary movie, honestly. Right. <laughs> Uh, next up on the list, we got Benedict Wong. So, you know, like Natalie Portman, he's also in the MCU. So here's our MCU reference. Um, but uh, he's also been in movies such as The Martian, which Robert and I have discussed. Love that movie. Yeah, that's a great um, movie. One of my favorites. He's also in Sunshine, which is a movie yeah. we've talked about a bunch so far in this episode. He's been in a lot of great movies. And um, what do you all have to add on Benedict? I like Benedict Wong. That's all I have to add. <laughs> yeah, he's got a um especially in this because you're not really getting a lot of like facial performance from him in this. It's a lot of just his voice. 
Yeah, he's got that, he's that got suit an incredible on. voice. Like yes, it's he does. so good. And I, it, he, it's um, kind of like Morgan Freeman. You can listen to him talk all day long. Yeah, exactly. And there's a uh, there's actually a video game that he voices like the m- most talkative character. Like you're constantly finding audio logs of his character where he's called Prey, and it's just I'm like, and that's mainly where I know him from, just because you know that's like you know. 30 hours of that. <laughs> and then I went in to watch this movie. I'm like, why do I know that voice so well? Like hearing his voice disconnected from him. I was like, Oh, it's the prey guy. That's funny. But yeah, he's got a wonderful, wonderful voice. I, I agree. He needs to like do audio books. He needs to do sure. other stuff than act. Uh, oh, he's a good actor too. Um, next person up on the list. I'm going to butcher this name. David Gaiasi? Gaiasi. Gaiasi. Gassy. Is that the professor? Yes. That she's sleeping with? Oh, yeah. yeah. The guy from Interstellar. Yeah. Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't been in a, actually a whole lot that I recognized. Uh, you know, Interstellar and The Dark Knight Rises were the two that obviously stuck out to me. Wait, who is he in The Dark Knight Rises? He's like some like crapshoot character that you see and then he's gone. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the only other thing I can ever think of him in is Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar. Which makes sense. That's Christopher true. Nolan. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Anything on David Gassi? Gassi? G? Nope. G-Dog? G-Dog. Okay. <laughs> I screw up everybody's name. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like G-Dog, though. G-Dog's great. Uh, Oscar Isaac is next up on yeah. the list. Uh, you know, what hasn't this guy been in lately? He's been in Star Wars, Dune, Ex Machina, Moon Knight. X-Men, you name it, he's been in it. He voices oh, he was uh, an X-Men. Ugh. Gomez yeah, he Adams was, uh... in that animated Adams Family movie, which I refuse to sit down oh, and watch. Oh, yeah. He would have been he a great live-action Gomez, honestly. He would have been better than Luis Guzman. Than, yeah. in that West, well, West here's show. the thing. Ask Luis Guzman yes, as I know what you're going to say, Stephen, but it's, he looks doesn't like matter. the illustration. He it looks like matter. the illustration from the book. So, <laughs> Louise, come on, man. Get me. Louise Guzman Mom, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. They just don't Catherine look Zeta well Jones, together. Yes. No, yeah, right. Catherine Zeta-Jones has Morticia. Yes. I'm totally down with that. I'm down but with it. I loved it. Louise Guzman, come on. <laughs> no, I. so I get it. It's because of um, the 90s. Oh, God. What is his name? Raul Julia? Yeah. Love Raul Julia. I mean, yeah. I mean, he redefined what we right. think of Gomez he Adams. He made Gomez Adams suave very sexy yes yes but if you yes going back to the original cartoons of the adams family charles adams drew um gomez adams as this short fat you know like dude and that's where Luis guzman comes in and they're kind of filling in that character so yeah i know they kind of redefined it with uh hell even um John Aston playing it in the old black and white version. You're, you're right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they already started going towards that. I mean, but like, I'll be honest, my favorite still Royal Julia. I love that man. Of, of course, course, yeah. Always. Uh, his magnum opus, Street Fighter, is incredible. Uh, God, I haven't seen that movie in so long, dude. It's so bad. It's, awesome. it's so bad. But it's so <laughs> it is horrible. So that's another thing with uh. So I'll say how and um, crap. Man of the Iron Mask. How half them were French, half them had American accents. Well, Jean-Claude Van Damme played an American soldier with a French accent. Dude, it's so bad. (laughs) He refused refused to have an American accent. You can barely understand him. (laughs) Well, from what I understand, he was also um, very heavily using drugs during production of the film. So that's probably also another reason why he couldn't understand him. 
But anyway, so yes, I think Oscar Isaac should have been live action Gomez. I would have been there for that. And for sure. But anyway, so Oscar if Isaac. you like him, though, again, <laughs> Ex Machina, he's like 50% of the cast in Ex Machina. He's great. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to sit down and watch this movie, Ex Machina. Writing it down now. Cool. Anything else on Oscar Isaac? He's uh, very handsome. <laughs> he's very handsome. Very handsome. Aside from the fact that not even his handsomeness could save the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Or X-Men Apocalypse. Or X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, we don't talk about X-Men Apocalypse either. It it had so much potential. It had so much potential, and it was just so horrible. Why? It's very bad. Why? And then they gave us Dark Phoenix, which... was worse somehow. I don't know how they did it. Yeah, I I don't know how they screwed that franchise up so bad. (laughs) I I was applauding Jennifer Lawrence. She found a way out of it. I was like, she got her character killed off early in the film. She's like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Boom, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Although I read somewhere she's actually open to reprising her role in the new, with the X-Men being reintroduced into the MCU, so... Honestly, that wouldn't be bad because she'd be that more of a bad. I didn't mind her as I didn't mind her. As, I liked know. her as Mystique, but at the same time, if we're doing a reboot, just reboot the whole just thing. Just do all new. It's all, be all new. Man. Yeah, it's all just gonna speak- get confusing and Speaking yeah. of which, even though he's already made an appearance in an official MCU film, I read the other day that Patrick Stewart was told to be on standby for filming for Deadpool 3. Dude, that how He's going to die soon. They need I to didn't want to know that him. either. As I'm scrolling through Facebook, it was just one of those big headlines. Well, you didn't have to you tell me that. <laughs> well, if I'm going to have it ruined, you need to be right there. Aye, aye, aye. I, oh. uh, look, no offense to no, Patrick but you're, you're right, though. He is getting really old. Like, no offense yeah. to him and his fans. That that Picard show freaking sucks. <gasps> awful. Yeah, I you said it. You shut your mouth. I said it. It's not. Star I like Trek. the first season. It's not Star Trek. That's not the Picard I know. Well, it wasn't, Picard's it wasn't, Picard's it's not supposed asshole. to be the Picard you yeah, know. Yeah, it's not supposed to be. Yeah, he's a I lot older now. He's retired. The he's story was about, he's got this chip on I liked his shoulder. The, the, nah, the, I liked about the first season, it, it was, yes, it was about Picard, but it was really about Data. That's what I, I like. Yeah, but, but like, who cares about Data? I liked Data. Uh, Data was my favorite he's character. A side character. I don't know. I don't like any new Trek. New Trek How is not Star you. Trek to me, it's all action. It's like that's wait, not Star wait, 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 Trek. Wait, wait, Star wait, Trek's wait. about people talking in a room, solving wait. a problem. <laughs> so you don't that's like what Star the, Trek? Is you don't like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek? God no! Uh, oh my they're god, fine. my heart! I think those are fun sci-fi action flicks. That is the antithesis of what Star Trek was. It's no longer that, obviously. But like to me, Next Generation. And OG Star Trek is my Trek, and that is about people sitting in rooms talking and solving problems. That is what Star Trek was to me, was solving issues via logic and debate. And that is not what New Trek is. I don't like it. But I'm a grumpy old man, so it's okay. <laughs> grumpy old man, you're the youngest of the three of us. Yeah, but I'm, I'm <laughs> inside, though. Inside, I'm very grumpy and old. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> sorry to drag us into that tangent. My God, Star Trek <laughs> just dragged through the mud. You know, like just take everything we love and drag it through the mud. No, I'm yes. with you though. I, I, I I'm an OG Star Trek fan myself, mm. and I I will go back and watch those movies before I watch the new ones. But I still enjoy the new ones. I love the new ones. Anyway, Oscar Isaac. Anything else on him before we move on? I'm good. 
Excellent. Jennifer Jason Lee, next up on my list. Uh, oh, oh, never mind. Go I was going to say, kind of interesting. We have somebody in this movie from the the prequel trilogy. And, and the someone sequel. In, yeah, in yeah. the sequels. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. That's Bridging a very good gap. point. Nobody from the original, though. Darth Vader's no. uh, baby mama and <laughs> uh, Finn's boyfriend. Finn's together boyfriend. at last. <laughs> <Finn's> <laughs> <boyfriend>. Together at last. <laughs> <laughs> Truly believed that the, they were going to get together at some point. Anyway, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, know her from The Hateful Eight, The Machinist, Road to Perdition. Back, to, I loved her in The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight is one of my favorites. So no, I, I thought she should have won the Oscar for that. She yeah, should have won the sure. Oscar. For that. I didn't know that was her in Hateful Eight. It's so like she just was so immersed into that role. <laughs> I had no idea it was Jennifer Jason Lee until the end of the movie. And speaking of extended editions, Netflix has the extended edition of this movie on real good. Like, and it's brilliant. It's so much better than the original. You thought the original really is. was long and like heavy laden with dialogue and stuff like that. The extended edition has even more in it, and it's awesome. That was Quentin yeah. Tarantino's best film in my mind. I'm sorry. Fight Ooh. me. All you want. It was his best film. <laughs> I don't know. Better than Pulp Fiction. I don't know, man. I put Inglorious Bastards on top for me. Inglorious really Bastards, Bastards is wonderful. Django really Unchained good. is absolutely Django. wonderful. Django is really great. Um, I, I still love Pulp Fiction. Don't get me wrong. I love those movies. The only Quentin Tarantino movie I've never truly been able to get behind is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <gasps> Yeah, he doesn't like it. I think again, that flamethrower scene was freaking awesome. Oh, that flamethrower so scene! Like the, <laughs> the ending of the movie was the ending of the movie was fantastic. I will watch that part of the I movie all day it. long. But uh, I just Leonardo well, DiCaprio. DiCaprio I wanted Leonardo to punch him in the DiCaprio. face the whole time. Yeah. Um, you don't like Leonardo Brad, even DiCaprio. Brad Pitt. I didn't even think was great in the movie, and he won an no Oscar way. for it. I don't understand. I wanted to hang out with him so bad in that movie. Like, dude, <laughs> Brad Pitt has done way better roles. You're gonna give him an Oscar for that? I mean, yeah, the Oscars are. I do, who? I, um, yeah, we, we lost yeah, faith in the Oscars for yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Jason, Jason Lee. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Anything to so, add on Jennifer Jason Lee? I don't know if y'all ever watched Atypical. It's on Netflix. No, watch mm-hmm. that. She plays uh, the mother of a autistic kid. Oh Such my god, you're right, that is her. Show. Yeah. I've seen, I saw a handful of episodes a while back. And it was actually really, it's really good. I never put together that that was her. Yep. And honestly, re- she's like one of those actors that I'm terrible at recognizing her role. Like, she's Apparently. really good. <laughs> like, well, every you know, time I'm like, oh yeah, that was her. She does such a good job, like, being other characters. I was going through of a resume. Oh. I'm sorry. I was I was just gonna say on that note, uh, you know, like I was going through a resume, and I feel like I've seen her in a bunch of crap. But then as I'm going through it, it's like I don't oh. know most of this. Twin like, Peaks so, season three. What she's in that? Twin Peaks season three. She's in that. Never Pretty watched good. it. She was in a oh. lot of episodes of Weeds. I don't know if y'all ever saw Weeds. Only the first uh, no, one I did or not. two seasons. No, Weeds was good. Um, she actually auditioned for a couple of major roles that she didn't get. One was Sarah Connor in the original Terminator. Holy shit, really? But James Cameron thought she was old? too young for the well, James oh. Cameron thought she was too young for the part. Yeah. I was about to say. Um and then she also auditioned for Catwoman in Batman Returns. 
Wow. We love Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, yeah. they made the right decision in both those yeah. cases, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, Linda Hamilton playing Sarah Connor. She's iconic. Great. And then, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, Michelle he Pfeiffer, that woman. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, she wasn't that. She was kind of annoying in the first Terminator, but T2 Linda Hamilton is awesome. Yeah, super badass. Yeah, that transformation from the first to the second. Yeah. <laughs> That's so lean and scary looking. Yeah, second I one. know. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. Sweet. Um, next, I have Gina Rodriguez, and uh, I like Gina only... Rodriguez. So do I. And, you know, this uh, is the only Jane thing I've seen her in. Really? Yeah. Uh, you ever watched Deepwater Horizon? Yeah, I was going to bring I that up. I saw too. it once back when it first came out. Yeah, she's so in that. I don't really remember a whole lot. She's one of the main that. characters. Really? Is she on like a the great rig? movie? Yeah. The only thing I remember about that movie that I really loved is it kept cutting to like the drill and then making horror movie noises. I'm like, oh, that's scary. I like that. <laughs> I really like that movie. I work in the oil field, so that movie kind of sits oh, a little different okay. with me. So. Oh, that's kind of. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting watching that. Yeah. Whereas it does wasn't you, like. Does your company or... have oil, like like oil drills, like out? Yeah, in the we've ocean? got off sea. Uh, we don't have. I don't think we have many off sea rigs, but we've got off sea rigs. Have was you ever had the opportunity to go with on? That stuff works? I've never been on off sea rig, so I don't know. Uh... I work in a control room, so all the alarms and stuff they get, that's what I see. Oh God! I'd be like, hey, can I volunteer to like go out to one of these? Just like I don't so want to go to a rig. Go? <laughs> I mean, we've, we've got we've got drilling rigs. Um, on land everywhere we're always well, i'm not drilling. saying you need to go work so, i just i think it'd be interesting to go visit oh yeah i mean I, I, it'd be cool to see um but yeah we used to when i worked in the field i'd drive by sites all the time with the drilling rigs on them they just weren't off cool. uh, offshore so oh. yeah Dope. but yeah we're, we're constantly drill, in fact we're just drilled new wells yesterday nice. <laughs> part of online so nice. um but yeah so all the alarms with the things going wrong I, that's what i sit in the room and i, I monitor all that stuff this sounds stressful. It's like the beginning of Chernobyl. It kind of is. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we're uh, it kind of is actually. We're <laughs> DOT regulated. We have to get certified every three years, and yeah. Ugh, gosh. Anywho, you know Rodriguez. Yeah, you want to know what Rodriguez. I find stressful Look. about her? That movie Jane, or not movie? That TV show Jane the Virgin. That movie actually, or damn it, I keep calling it a movie. That TV show actually gives me anxiety. I've uh, never, never seen it. Heard a lot about it. Me neither. Karen was on nine episodes. Yeah, Karen was right. on the streak of watching it, and I was kind of watching it along with her. And the whole idea of a woman accidentally being impregnated through in vitro fertilization oh, is such an anxiety-inducing thing. Like the entire show, like every time I'd watch I it, with no her, idea what it was about. Like my anxiety was just like through the roof. This she got thrust <laughs> into motherhood unwillingly. And it just like everything that followed is just so bizarre. And the I've, as the title indicates, she never had sex. So it's lame. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. Like, come on, man. This sucks. Yeah. I mean, spoiler <laughs> warning: she finally does in the show, I'm but sure, yes, up but... leading up to the events of her having a child, she had never done that. So it's just like, wow. That's an interesting. That's concept anxiety for a show, inducing. Though. You know, like. You know, yeah, it's a it was an interesting concept. But is it like was, a drama yeah. or like a comedy? It was a com- like a comedy drama, a drama. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on Gina Rodriguez? 
Uh, no. Is she related to Michelle Rodriguez at all? Because no, they seem no to idea. talk very similar. Like their they do look affectation kind of alike, but does that make seems to be racist? incredibly similar. But I I'm don't know if they're right related. Uh, relatives unknown. Oh, okay. oh God. Huh. So mysterious. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, no, well, I don't then, think she I mean, but that's <laughs> very interesting point. Um, yeah, I can see that too. The last person I have on my list is Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson. Yes. Also beginning MCU. MCU. Yep. Uh, also Men in Black International with her MCU co-star, Thor. And oh, I forgot uh, she's that also movie been in movies existed. like Creed. Holy cow. Creed's awesome. I can't wait for that. Yeah, Creed's one. so good. The new one's coming out. Jeffrey has never seen a Creed movie. Never. What? Never. Yeah. Do you like Rocky? Never... Nope. What? He's weird. What? Right, exactly. What? Yeah. <sighs> I'm not the one to do with this. <laughs> I haven't known you uh, You can process it just about the same as I uh, processed you saying you don't like Natalie Portman. Yeah, but I still appreciated her performance. Like, right. She, he, he said she was good one, in this movie. You don't like Rocky. Rocky 1 is such a good drama. And then Rocky yeah. 6 is incredible. And then all of the Creed movies are great. The Creed movies are really good. I'm good. I was really surprised how good the Creed movies were. Yeah, I was. When, too, I, when, I, was like, when oh, I first heard that they're making off. Creed, I was like, "Are you serious? That's really? Do dumb. we really need this?" Yeah. And then I watched it, and I was like, "Wow, this is but, actually this is really, really good." good. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Majors looks so scary in the third one, dude. Yeah, the dude beefed up like hardcore. But anyway, I'm glad y'all are excited. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, just sit down and watch them. Put those on no, your list. Too. Come on, put no. them on your list. No, do it. We're bully. I'd much rather it. sit down and watch <laughs> Jane the Virgin again. Oh, well, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, other than I can't wait till the Thor talk. movies. Other than the Thor movies and this, I I can't. I'm struggling to remember Tessa Thompson in anything. Uh, she oh, really true. hasn't been. She's been in sixty-five things, but a lot of it was like little TV shows when she was younger. In fact, she was actually in three episodes of Heroes. Really? Yeah. Who she was, I have no clue. But, um, but she, she didn't really kind of break like it, break big until Creed. Creed is when everybody started kind of noticing her. And then, of course, is Valkyrie when Thor Ragnarok right. came around. Uh, yeah, that was a couple years later. And then she did that really weird Men in Black movie with Chris Hemsworth. Have you guys actually seen that? Yes, I have. I have not. What is? Is it like still in it's, the same like timeline it's, it's, universe? It's still in the same universe. Yes. Um. It's not horrible. It's not oh. good. Yeah, it's not good. It's not bad. <laughs> I just forgot it existed. You know what? Exactly. Better than? Yeah. That Ghostbusters uh, movie with the all female cast. Much better than the Ghostbusters <laughs> movie. Oh, I mean, that's the lowest bar you can think of to compare them to. Ugh. So Tessa Thompson was actually you remember that show Veronica Mars? Yeah, she was in twenty two episodes of that. No, Whoa. Way. yeah, I don't remember that at all. I never watched. Of course, it. it's been so neither did I. But yeah, she was in a lot of TV shows leading up to um, her role in Creed. Okay, well she's, she's great. Like, what episode I think she's here? What episode actor. there? Yeah, she is. There's a show called Cooper. I've never heard of it. But she was in twenty two episodes of that. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. She's an okay actor. I like uh, her. Yeah, especially like in this. I thought she was great. 
Oh, she was fine in this. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I She's sh- really good in Creed. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd watch Creed. You'd if you'd watch Creed, you'd... Touché. Touché. <laughs> I'm about to say, you know... Like Actually, my, she really is good in Creed. She really my, is, my, yeah. my main, my, you know, like, my main exposure to her has obviously been as Valkyrie. Valkyrie, quite, yeah. quite honestly, you know, like, I can take her or leave her as Valkyrie. Especially after... Like she uh, does a good job, especially in... Yeah. Like, nah. I mean, I feel you like know. she, like, phoned that one in. Well, I, I think, think most did. people were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only person who showed up to actually do any work was Christian Bale. He was the best part of that whole movie. Look, man, I'm going to yeah. be honest. I still like Love and Thunder. It's a very I mean, silly movie. Yeah, it's, it's I like parts like, of it. It's one of those guilty pleasure movies. Like, you want to watch it. You're going to laugh, especially with the goats and stuff like that. But the goats got on my nerves. Uh, I mean, it's funny. The first time was funny, but then it just kept happening. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think it's because of my of how tired I am of the MCU that I was yeah. like, you know, a movie entirely taking the piss out of characters in the MCU. I'm kind of okay <laughs> with that. I, I can sit through that. That's pretty good. I mean, the, it's, all of that saying the absolute tonal whiplash of like, you know, joke, joke, joke. Jane Foster has cancer. Joke, joke, joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And then yeah, you got the seriousness of Christian Bale's character, and you're just like, he's given he's giving one of uh, not I'm not going to say it's the best performance, performance of his career, but he's given a great performance, right? It's and then everybody Bale, else is just like prancing and joking around him. Like if I were Christian Bale and I watched the final like the final cut of this movie, I would have been like, really, really? This is what, what I this is why I joined the MCU was for this shit. That movie in particular feels like a Taika Waititi movie. Like, well, it's like, oh, this is was. very silly. <laughs> this was. is incredibly silly. <laughs> to me, it, it, it tried to outdo Ragnarok is an and failed. Yeah. I mean, maybe I honestly, so like in the interviews, Taika Waititi, the writer and director, he specifically talks about how he didn't want to do another Thor movie and they just dumped a truck of money on him. And he's like, okay, I guess I don't want to do this. Like if you watch and interviews do of him, what, I mean, it's Disney. What are you going to tell you turn him? Down no. a paycheck like that? Well, I mean, he was going to work that, for Disney no matter really what. Don't he do wants it. to do Star Wars. He's, nah, I'm okay he's big with over him. the Star Wars world. I'm okay with him taking the money and giving two big middle fingers up. <laughs> See you on his way out because now he's never going to have to do it again. Who cares? I know, but I, I, I wish he wouldn't have. Because Just I like set the, the fire movies. and run away. The Thor movies were used to be one of the good things about the MCU, and then the fourth one just kind of pissed it all out. No, I think there's one good Thor movie in Ragnarok. Yes, I do too. I like um, the first Thor movie. I yeah. like parts of the first Thor movie. There's some don't funny talk parts about in it, dark, but... dark World or whatever it's called. I almost said Dark Fate, um, a Terminator movie. But to bring it back, Cancer, Natalie Portman. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh, the correlations. Uh-huh. Is this where she got the cancer from? I think so, yeah. Uh, it was, that's all oh, I man, her. it's her same character. That's why she went on, that's why she disappeared for Thor Ragnarok. Son she was in the shimmer. Bee. You are right. She's having an affair with Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> We're just having, funny, an affair, though, like... having an affair with somebody while she's having an affair with Moon Knight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, at yeah. the same time, it's like an unfair was, was that? I don't know. I, I just didn't feel like that affair was really necessary in the movie. It felt forced. So I'm sure the book, I, I, sure I, the book I, did a better I, job. When I was watching, I'm like, why, why, it doesn't really do anything for the story, so why well, is it in it, here? 
it does because Jennifer Jason Lee very specifically taught when she's talking about how we tend to self-destruct as yeah. people uh, in different ways. She specifically calls out ruining a marriage, but then yeah. also, so in the book, if I remember correctly, it's been since the movie came out since I've read it. Um, the book is very good. I personally like the movie more. They're very different. They're incredibly different. They could almost be different. Like you could have called this something else, but there's just enough similarities to tie it in. Um, in the book, like I said, she's, she's struggling with sociopathy and how to come to terms with that. Uh, if I remember correctly, there is no affair. So I think they oh. needed to do that to make her in, because the point is she's an unsympathetic character. Like she's not a good person. That's the no, point. She's not. Yeah. Um, and so in this, and that's why I think casting Natalie Portman was a good idea because she's incredibly affable and likable. And, you know, she's, you know, you just automatically, you know, like, Oh, I want to be on her side, but it's like, She's also not a very good person. You know, and that, that brings up a very good point because in that same line where Ventress talks about how we, you know, disable, destabilize a happy marriage and stuff like that, that confirms the suspicions that Natalie Portman actually voiced in the movie when she's having one of those flashback scenes with, uh, what's his face, the professor, where he asks, like, do you think Kane knows? And she goes, yeah, he knows. And the only That's way interesting, would, I didn't take it that way. Yeah, well, the only way Ventress would even just kind of throw that shade at her is like, and a happy marriage is because Ventress has met Kane, and she, as a psychologist, I'm sure she's deduced or you know had to meet with Kane and stuff like that, and probably come to the, uh, know that he knew about the affair. Yeah, I mean, I never thought about that her psychologically profiling him because she obviously did. She talks yeah. about how she psychologically profiled everyone. I always mm -hmm. just took Kane's distance as he knows he's probably going to die. So no, he doesn't he, know how to, he doesn't know how to tell her goodbye because the scene before that, when they're in bed together, the day before he has to leave, they're all like lovey dovey and stuff. I, I say it's the day before. I actually don't know when in the yeah. timeline that right. actually is. A, but I always took it as she thought he knew and he's just struggling with the idea of telling her I'm not coming back. No, it's I, it, and it could be partially that it could be the fact that no, he, I'm not. Yeah. I just, he I knew about the about affair the and that's why he volunteered for this. What could be very much considered a suicide mission. He didn't feel like he had anything to live for anymore. The love of his life was cheating on him. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, like, I never thought it, of it that way. Yeah. That's, so a that's good why way he went into the looking shimmer. at that. Yeah. Huh. Huh. So, I never uh, thought of it that way. Her, her decisions, her, um, um, Natalie Portman's characters, Alina's uh, decisions, like led him to do all of this stuff. So her self self-destructive tendencies, tendency, uh, tendencies. Ah, I'm only two yinglings in, and I'm already slurring my words. Tendencies. Get a pound of third one, you'll get there. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> led him to start some self-destructive tendencies of his own by deciding to go on this quote-unquote suicide mission. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's thematically resonant. Yeah, it's a really it's, good way of looking at it. It's the butterfly effect. Oh. Yeah, some food for thought there. Uh, mm -hmm. I, that's it for actors on my list. Do y'all have anybody that I left off? Um, there's the one lady. I don't know her name. Um, I know. That I gets dragged off. Over Cass. Yeah, I, I don't I know, know her, her at all. Anything. So, yeah, yeah. Actually, I skipped over her, too. <laughs> I was like, I don't know this girl. Moving on. <laughs> And then finally, that brings us to our wonderful director who we've talked about in all his credits so far, Alex, yes, Garland. Alex Garland. Alex Incredible. Garland. Um, an amazing guy, amazing director, amazing writer, and he's delivered some really great stuff. 
Uh, funny enough, you were bringing up Halo before. He penned one of the first Halo movie scripts that got. Uh, oh, he really? wrote the script, and the guy who did District Nine was going to direct it. Huh. Um, Neil they, they, Yep, yep. He was going to do Halo. Peter Jackson loved what he was doing with that, and that's why when that fell through, he gave him the money to do District Nine. I think it took too long for them to come out with something for Halo. I thought that was going to happen a long time before it did. I think but. even that show got announced like three, four years before it came. Well, there was out. supposed to be a show on H. I mean, on on Showtime way before they announced the one for Paramount. And really, I have no idea what was happened. Was that the with one that. that Steven Spielberg was tied to? It could have been. I'm not exactly sure on I that. I know Spielberg was tied to one, but yeah, but, but yeah, Alex Garland wrote a Halo script, and it was supposedly pretty darn good. Well, that sucks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, also there's uh, oh. there's rumors that he's writing 20 months later now. I heard, I heard that. about that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and if he writes it, then Danny Boyle would come back, which is exciting. Nice to direct it. That would be cool. that would be very interesting. Yep, I would like that to happen. That would be dope. Indeed. All right, so. Let's talk. So who uh, who is our favorite actor, actress, or character in this film? Um, I'm going to go first on this one because I've actually got something a little different. I don't like any of these actors in this film. I like wow. these actors, but I don't like any of these characters. actors in this film. Characters. I'm all for a character. And the most compelling character to me was that of Ventress. Yes, um, for sure. She's the most interesting of that crew. She definitely like she made you wonder <clears throat> why she was so obsessed with what, what was happening in the shimmer while she was so hellbent on getting in there and stuff like that. And then when you find out what her motives are and stuff like that and her coldness to everybody and the approach, it was it was such a fascinating thing to watch. I'm not to, not to say that Jennifer Jason Lee didn't deliver on that. Or anything like that, but quite honestly, I feel like this character would have been interesting no matter who played it, which is why it's much more, I'm more in the writing of with, it. Yeah, yeah, it's the writing of this character was so unbelievably well done, and it's the one I latched onto the quickest. So that's what I got to say on that. Robert, how about you? It's funny because when we do movies, I always have a favorite character, but when I was watching this movie. The thought of a favorite character or best actor, it, just, it never crossed my mind. So I honestly never came up with one. <laughs> and now, now, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, <clears throat> I guess in a way they're all kind of equal, you know? I mean, there wasn't really any bad performances, but there wasn't any standout performances either, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. We can, we yeah. can accept that. Uh, Steven, what about you? Uh, I, I want to remember her character's name. Hold on. I have notes here on paper. Here. Uh, I made, paper I made notes. notes. Wow. Mm-hmm. There we go. Told you I'm old. Um, <laughs> um, it's uh, Josie, I think, is her character's name, but Tessa Thompson's Gina. character. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tessa Thompson. Um, right. I think, to me, she is the... Um, she might be my favorite, at least on this most recent rewatch. Because, like I said, I watched this pretty regularly um at least once a year uh now but um like i i was really keyed into how like as soon as they get into the shimmer and like become self-aware like so when they get to the to the uh boathouse that's sinking into the water 
she immediately emotionally connects with the flowers there. Yeah. Like as soon as like, that's the first thing thing she sees. She's like, and she's like, Oh my gosh. Uh, I think she says it looks like someone's going to is having a wedding or something mm-hmm. like that, which, you know, it's the theme, get it. Cause it's the genes and the DNA are marrying together. Um, and then obviously she becomes one of the plant people later in the, in that town. Can I just um, and, say that that was also one of the most disturbing things to me watching that progress? Yeah, like you're looking at her scars that on and her arm, yeah. and like there's yeah, plants yeah, coming uh, out of it, and she talks like it about made my how stomach just go. <clears throat> she's talking about how like Ventress wants to face whatever this is, and you want to fight it. I don't want either of those things. Like she purely accepts what's happening, and like this is where she finds her peace. And I just. This time watching it, I really, I was like, that's a really fascinating character progression in the face of this kind of horrific thing. I mean, that's, you know, I said it before, it's, it's cosmic horror. So the horror is that it's this thing beyond your understanding. And that's what makes it scary. Like, like an ant looking at us, it's, we are incomprehensible to an ant. Mm-hmm. So when we see this thing that's bigger than anything we could possibly imagine, like we genuinely can't wrap our our minds around it and she's just like you know what this is sure yeah why not my life kind of sucks this is okay and then she just accepts it and i thought that was a really cool character arc for her to have it's horrifying and like incredibly dour but it's it's also an interesting character arc i thought yeah definitely cool all right guys well Moving right along here, uh, top scenes or sequences. Uh, so what was one or two of your favorite uh, scenes or sequences? Robert, why don't you lead us off on this one? I like the ending at the lighthouse. Um, yeah. And then how when she saw Kane, how he killed himself. And then the alien that was mimicking her, she gave him or her the, the grenade in the exact same way that Kane killed himself. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. The whole thing, and then when she goes in the meteorite and sees Ventress and just all of it, visually it was really cool too. Yeah, like oh, the yeah. glass trees and stuff yeah. on the beach mm-hmm. leading up to it is really yeah. cool. Visually stunning film. Nice. Steve, what about y'all? I mean, it's, you picked that. That is my favorite sequence, but I'll give love to the bear scene. Like, that shit's <laughs> so scary. That was yes. next on my list. <laughs> Well, I will say either that I would say equally scary for different reasons is them finding the tape of what happened. Oh my god! Oh, you yeah. just listed both of my scenes. Yes, like that scene. I don't. There's something with the way, and he does it. I was thinking about that watching watching it this time. Is uh, Alex Garland has a way of filming violence in a way that feels like immersive. Almost, it, it's it's disturbing, and it feels like blasphemous in a way it's like a snuff like, film it's like watching yes snuff film. it's like like and it's it's a lot like that in men where like the violence that you're seeing just feels like you shouldn't be looking at it like i it's shouldn't like you want to call this. the producers of the film and be like uh was Did somebody murder actually murdered on your <laughs> yeah yeah like that looked that looked a little too real and disturbing yeah. to me so like when uh, Kane puts his hand on one of those slithering intestines, oh, and yeah, so and then 
Anya, Gina Rodriguez's character is like, yeah, that can't happen. That there's no, this just intestines. You're she not just seeing that right. Denies yeah, it. Denies the whole. I'm like, and they're like, you, you just saw that, did you not? It was a trick of Obviously, the light. something it was a trick of the light. And she's like, yeah, she, yeah, exactly. She's like, I'm a paramedic. That cannot happen. Like, well, it doesn't matter if it happened or not. It happened, you know. <laughs> Which is like that's again, that's like that. The cosmic horror of it is you are seeing something that is impossible. So. Some right. people's brains are just going to click into that's not real. Yeah, it's just not real. Which yeah. that yeah, ugh, 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 that oh, whole scene, that, gross. Yeah, um, and then he turns into that cool wall moss guy. Oh my god! Yeah, very very uh, the Last of Us going on there. <clears throat> um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, now you say. Yeah, that. uh, that's what I that's what I correlated it to. Um, that 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 found footage scene from the mess hall, though, man, I just want to talk about that for a moment. You know, the same idea was utilized in movies like The Event Horizon or um, Sunshine and stuff like that, where you find the footage of the crews that went before yeah. you know, with the hells they endured. But can I just say, like, even though I didn't give him props during this whole uh, favorite character or anything like that, uh, this is Oscar Isaac's most chilling performance in the whole movie. That look when he turns to the camera. It's like a look of awe. Like he's just like he looks he's not crazy. mortified. He's not scared. He's just like, wow, look what's happening. And it's just like he's amazed and he wants to continue the exploration. It's disturbing as hell. And that, and yeah, the moving intestines that was gross and stuff like that. And then the bear scene. Oh my god, that bear scene. Yeah, the bear like, scene's very scary. <laughs> I. <laughs> Yeah, I probably, his mouth and it's like, help me. And you're like, what? yeah, you hear Cass's <laughs> voice and it's just like, oh, my God. But that the is way so... the voice is wrapped around the roar, like it's. Like yeah, it's, yeah. It feels like a parrot saying something yes. back like it doesn't have vocal cords necessarily a or a really bad radio reception. Yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, God, that's like close enough to be recognizable, but it's not close enough to be human. Like this yeah. is bothersome. And then you can, and then you can see it in the. I'm, I'm going to say the performance of the bear. You know, the bear doesn't come in and immediately start rampaging. So you know, I think it's absor it's it's absorbed more than just the last words that Cass said. It's absorbed the mind. Uh, yeah, when it uh, gets Cass, in the face of what's her name, yeah, because she's tied up to the chair. It's it's like, like testing her. It it it's like it almost like it recognized who she was yeah and that's why she was why, that's why the bear wasn't on the attack and then of course when the actual attack happens it's just like holy Oof. crap man uh gina rodriguez's face will never recover from that no but um yeah those scenes are just chilling best scenes of the movie to me yeah yeah all right. But even even like I will say like just like the vibe of the movie, like all of like any scene where it's got the song of like it's like several women singing this note that doesn't quite match up, mm -hmm. and it's just it's played during that that video scene when they're cutting open the dude, where it's just yeah. like two or three women singing these really discordant notes. It's just really off putting. It's, so anytime that comes up, it's pretty great. Nice. Yeah, no, that the um the score and all of that was very added definitely to the ambiance of the movie. Um let's go through our favorite quotes and stuff real quick. 
uh, I want to lead off with this one because we've already made references to it, so we might as well go ahead and just dive right into it. So Ventress, when she says, I think you are confusing suicide with self-destruction. Almost none of us commit suicide, and almost all of us self-destruct. In some way... In, oh my god it's a powerful sorry movie. i didn't mean to interrupt no 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 like this whole line this whole like sequence of sentences is just absolutely phenomenal in some way in some part of our lives we drink we smoke we destabilize a good job and a happy marriage but these aren't decisions they're impulses and i'm just like Wow. There are, I mean, like, this is such an interesting thought. There are so many ways to destroy ourselves, destroy our lives, than other than just, you know, suicide or killing ourselves. You know, it's the things that we do as humans, you know, that we these actions we take based on pure impulse, which is fascinating and scary all at the same time. You know, do we it, it makes you sit there and think about all the stuff that we do do. Is it self-destructive or is it uh, enhancing our lives? And it's a it's a very powerful thought. Con- yeah. To continue on that, uh, after that, Lena says, "What do you mean?" Then Venture says, "You're a biologist. Isn't this self isn't self-destruction encoded into us? Yeah, programmed into each cell. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. even like." Because, like, it, that's such a good scene because, again, the movie's not subtle. They're just talking about the theme of the movie. Um, but, like, it's, I wrote it down where, like, um, because, like, the at the very beginning when Lena's talking about the cancer cells, but she's presenting it as, like, normal cellular behavior. And then she's like, and then this happens, and that's what we call cancer. Uh, well, you said one that I already had written down. Um, the other one that I have written down is Venture. She goes, it's not like us. It's unlike us. So I don't know what it wants or uh, I don't know what it wants or if it wants, but it will grow till it encompasses everything. Our bodies, our minds will be fragmented into the smallest parts until no part remains. Annihilation. Yeah, I can't even... that. I'm not even going to try to come up with another one because that's the quote <laughs> of the movie for me. Like, it's, it's, it's like, oh, she said the thing. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> but well, also, once you like, say the title of the film, it's over, right? It's over, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, the yeah, movie yeah. ends, the credits roll. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, like, that's like, even in movies like we talked about Tarantino, like movies with incredible dialogue. I right now I cannot think of another movie where I immediately like in the movie theater I wanted to pause and write down what a character said. Like that quote that he just like it's incredible. That it's what a piece of writing to explain while also leaving the alien unexplainable. I like that. Deep incredible that especially her her like to like her emphasis on it's not like us it's unlike us like it's not it's not compatible and will therefore overwrite us my favorite part of that quote is where it says she says i don't know what it wants or even if it wants it wants yeah if it wants it's such a good line like how scary is that 
Well, I mean, it's it's the unknown. The entire idea of the unknown that makes it scary. It's like it's the same idea. Walking into the shimmer, scary. You know what just pulled uh, what just pulled Rodriguez uh, Rodriguez's character back into the sinking boathouse until they realized it was a alligator. Scary. It's that whole unknown aspect that is truly terrifying for most humans. Yeah. I'm going to say most because some people just seem to embrace the unknown. Yeah, you go into the shimmer, obviously. You read the book that says don't read in human blood and you see what happens. <laughs> uh, Steven, you're one of those people. I'm one of those people, yeah. But no, but like that's, I think that's why I'm so drawn to cosmic horror because that's what cosmic horror is. It's like this thing is so big and other. I, It's killing us, but does it even understand that that's what it's doing? Does a fire know that it's killing things? Or is it just, this is what happens for it to exist? Hmm. Interesting. Is, is a fire really self-aware? Destroying? Well, no, obviously No, no, not, no, no, but no, no. But I mean, like, <laughs> the very but, existence of a fire means death and destruction right. for us. But, okay. Just so, it existing is bad. Counterpoint. But that doesn't make the fire bad. Counterpoint to that thought. So that actually leads into the next uh, line that I have written down here when Lena says that it's not destroying, it's making something new. So does yeah. fire, before I go into my thoughts on that, ah. does fire actually destroy or does it create something new? Well, they do have controlled fires for that yes. reason. Yes. Strengthen forests and trees. Absolutely. So the whole idea of it's not actually destroying it, it's making something new. There are some, obviously there are several overt references to cancer in this movie. It, yeah. you know, cancer, 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 cancer. That is the overarching idea of this movie. But it, this is one of those lines that, you know, spins what we perceive cancer to be. Obviously, we are ingrained to believe that cancer is negative. You know, we talk about its destructive, its destruction, how it tears apart people's bodies, lives, families, uh, but we never really talk about the process that cancer goes through. It creates new and unpredictable things within our bodies. Bo bodies suffering from cancer, yeah, that's horrible, but there's creation happening in there as well. So it, this is such one of those interesting lines, the same <clears throat> idea behind the fire. Yeah, we see it as destroying something, but is it making way for something new? Or even if you want to take like a less like destructive thing other than fire or cancer. So like those are obviously both bad if you encounter those as a person. Yes. Obviously. But like take – have you ever looked at mold on a piece of bread? Like you – initially you're like, oh, this is gross and repulsive. It smells funny. Ew. Throw it away. Gross. But have you ever actually like looked at mold? I can't like say that I have. studied it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I study spores, molds, and fungus. That's, oh. <laughs> Ghostbusters line. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but, like, if you actually, like, look at mold, it's, like, this really fascinating, like, small ecosystem that just came out into being. It's a new thing. Like you were talking about, it's, it's new. And that's, to me, the scariest part that it's in. That's... I'm going to sound like a broken record and it's probably very annoying to listen to, but that is the point of cosmic horror is that what if we're not important enough for this new thing that needs to exist just in the way that ants are not important for us. So we're going to exist in obliterate or like the forest or whatever, like 
the next thing that just punts us down to the bottom of the totem pole to be like, you are literally so insignificant that this brand new thing just, just bowls over you. And that may not be a bad thing on a grand cosmic scale. Like it's just the way of things like that to me is that's what makes this a horror movie is like, that's a horrifying concept to think about. I'm talking way too much now. I feel terrible. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to, you know, think about. I mean, it's all, it's all wonderful to, th- well, not wonderful to think about, but you're bringing up some really thought provoking ideas here. I mean, I've never really sat down and gotten that deep into it before. So I like it. I like it. Um, cool. Any other quotes or anything before we uh, begin to wrap this up? I'm good. Robert stole mine. Darn, <laughs> Darn Robert. I'm the worst. Uh, any plot holes, movie mistakes, or nitpicks y'all want to highlight? I don't have any. Um, I've got one. I was going to say, I feel like there's one, but I can't think of it right now. It's not so much a plot hole or a movie mistake. It's more a nitpick. And my biggest one is the film trying to make me believe that Natalie Portman was ever in the army. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> she was in the army. It's not like she was in the Marines or something. She's yeah, probably in like, she's probably like, I she, don't know. She's playing. A, she. Yeah, but I'm sorry. You know, the way she was holding her weapon. Well, and you're trained how to do in, that. I mean, even though like, she might have ever used it in train how to use a weapon in basic training so i don't be honest that was my very first thought when she was when i first saw the movie i just had a flash to her in basic training i'm like nah (laughs) i don't see it sorry natalie i don't see it like you can look at someone and be like oh you've been in the military like maybe you're not keeping up in shape and whatever but like it seems like basic training does something to a person to where it's like okay yeah you know how to carry yourself. She does not seem like that kind of person. Yeah, she's just she's just there. So I feel you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> if that's my biggest nitpick, then I think this movie is getting off easy. So I'm honestly really glad you liked you guys like this movie. I was very worried that I was going to be like, okay, so I had all these notes. I'm like, okay, I have to be ready to defend why this is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did so well scared. with this one. I was like, oh, no, you did well with this one. Like, like Robert said, this might not be one we watch multiple times. But sure. It yeah. Still, it was still a good watch. It was worth when it. Jeff told me that we were doing this movie. I was like, oh, crap, because I remember watching it in the theater <laughs> and coming out. I was like, I don't know about that. And so he said, I was like, oh, we're doing Annihilation crap. So but when we watched it, I was like, oh, OK, hmm. different than I remembered. And see, you know, that's the thing, you know, like, I feel like when we, if it's been a long time since we've seen a movie and initially we just didn't like it or something like that, it's always worth trying to give it another shot because then you're just, you might be, you might be in a different place in your life where you can appreciate it more or you've grown up a little bit more and can understand the subtleties of something. Uh, had I probably watched this movie earlier in life, I can't say for certain, but there's probably a good chance I wouldn't have liked it. So, I mean... Things change and uh, movies grow on us. There are certain types of movies grow on us. And uh, I appreciate I don't know Steven picking this one. If it wasn't that I didn't like it the first time I watched it, I just don't think I truly understood it because mm-hmm. it was just the one time watching it. So watching it again and doing the research for the movie at the same time 
I got a much better understanding of what this movie's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, you, that's something else I'll say is like, I also have to, I wonder a lot because I tend to go to the movies by myself. No, I do that too um, all the so, time. So I just sit with a movie and think about it. Um, so I tend to like movies that lend themselves to that. And then on top of that, I, I happen to have the book because I, I was like, oh, I'm going to see this movie. It turns out it's a book. I ordered it. So in between my first and second watch, I read the book. Um, so that like I was just like filling my brain with annihilation during that period of time. So that might have been also why I was more receptive to it uh, on first glance. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Um, well, this leads us to uh, the miscellaneous thoughts portion of the episode where Robert stuns us with all the knowledge that he found during <gasps> his research. I don't know about stunning. I really don't have that much for this movie. <laughs> but oh, my God. Here we go. Um, as we know, this film was based on a book, and the book was called, it was actually a trilogy called The Southern yep. Reach. Um, but Garland actually finished the script for the movie before the trilogy was even complete. So I think this is just based off the first book, if I'm not mistaken. It is. And he's, he didn't reread the book while adapting it. Right. So, so he loosely based very loosely, incredibly loosely. Okay. Like even the uh, themes of the oh. story are not the same. Oh, really? Yeah, like that's not what this is about. That's more about um, encroaching ecosystems and things like that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, so due to poorly received test screenings, David Ellison, a financer with Paramount, became concerned that the film was too intellectual and too complicated and deemed changes to make, the, make it appeal to a wider audience, including making Natalie Portman's character more sympathetic and changing the ending. Producer Scott Rudin sided with uh, Garland in his desire to not alter the film at all, defending the film and refusing to take notes. Rudin also had final cut. High five to that guy. Yeah, seriously. Uh, on December 7th, 2017, it was announced that due to the clashes between the producers, Rudin and Ellison, uh, the finest year with Paramount, and the shift in Paramount's leadership, a deal was struck with Netflix handling international distribution rather than releasing the film in theaters. According to this deal, Paramount would handle the U.S. and China release while Netflix would begin streaming the film in other territories 17 days later, which is what you referred to earlier. Yeah. Which is honestly, it's probably better for streaming. Like, I, it's, I think that, like, cause, like, you think of movies now that you find that are like weird and off kilter. Like, you're like, I found, dude, I found this weirdo movie on Amazon. I feel like this yeah. would be perfect for that. But it's like, yeah, but most of those movies don't cost 40 something million dollars. Right. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Oscar Isaac filmed this movie and Star Wars The Last Jedi on the adjacent studio lots. <laughs> he had the same trailer for both films and would often, uh, would often film scenes for both movies in the same day. Oh, shoot. That's weird. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, you gotta, well, now I'm hanging, I'm hanging out totally with different characters. Now. <laughs> yeah, like the wildly different tones that he's having to yeah. deal with in that. That's weird. That, um, that had to be weird. I mean, granted, he wasn't in this movie too, too long, so, but still. 
True. Yeah, I guess we got to jump between jump back jump back and forth between characters. Yeah, in the same day, um, that had to be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. So this next one, I think, is referring to the bear scene, but it says one of the most memorable moments is a scene where one of the monsters provides a jump scare that petrified the characters. It's memorable because fans take note that of the genuine terror in the face of the actors. If their facial expressions look genuine, it's because they were. Natalie Portman confirmed in an interview that Garland had hidden said monster on the set of the movie and didn't unleash it until they started filming, not saying when it would pop out. Madeline and the crew or and the, the actors knew a monster was coming, but they expected more of a CGI effect before being greeted by a more practical beast unexpectedly once the camera started rolling. God. Yeah. That sounds oh. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually all I have. Honestly, though, could you imagine that? Like, because you can tell that thing's practical when it comes yeah, right. in between them in the chairs. Like, imagine just seeing that thing come into your periphery. Oh, God. you know, there are people puppeteering it, but still, like, using the heebie jeebies. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, Stephen, do you have anything to add to that miscellaneous? Um, not, no, not, not as far as like trivia goes. No, I, I think he's, other than like, like I said, the uh, the only other little factoid I could maybe provide is that um, the difference, a big difference between the book and the movie is, so the guy they find in the pool that's all like fungus stuff <clears throat> that I'm assuming is the same guy they tore open the stomach of, I'm just assuming. Yeah. Um, is uh, there is like a, so in the book, a majority of it takes place while they're going through this tunnel that Lena thinks of as a tower leading down. Um, and there's this fungus that's growing on the walls that's forming words that she refers to as the sermon. And like, it's like seemingly incoherent, like speech, but like could also be talking about what's going on. It's so imagine Jennifer Jason Lee's line that we were talking about, uh, Rob, that was like really good. It's a lot of that that's being just scrawled on this wall with fungus. And they they refer to it as the sermon. It's really cool. Um, I honestly prefer the movie over the book, to be terribly honest. Uh, And fans of the book really disagree with that. (laughs) I came to the movie first, and I I happen to like what the movie's doing a little bit better than the book. But the fungus, like, preaching this, like, off-kilter thing of, like, trying to interpret what's happening to this person is really interesting and cool. Nice. Interesting. That's all I got, though. Cool. Awesome. Well, I guess that is a wrap on our Annihilation discussion. Shout out to Steven for uh, recommending this movie and coming on here to discuss it. Yeah, always a pleasure to have you. It's funny that you brought that up because I had just been thinking about like, I wish more people had seen Annihilation. That movie's so good. <laughs> no, maybe now more people will. I yeah, hope so. yeah. Hopefully we please go see this you. movie. It, it to be fair, and like this is a movie that like you could spoil the ending of and it does not take away from the experience of watching it. No, like, this it's, is definitely it's a, a journey. It's a you want to watch it. It's very different. Yeah. The destination is important, but the journey is just as important. It's of great yes. it's a great film to watch. Absolutely. 
Um, a huge shout out to all of our wonderful listeners. Y'all are amazing. We love you all. Thank you for always tuning in to hear what we've got to say. And be sure you join us next time because we're going to have more guests joining us for the long-awaited discussion on the film Tombstone. Yo! Can I come back? Right? Robert and I have been talking about this since day one. Have you, like, I was going to say, have you guys not already talked about Tombstone? Nope. nope. Wow. Nope. I thought that our, this I, is how long it's taken us to get to this point. We I are, love Tombstone so I'm much. I'm so excited. So it's top three favorite films of all. Like, oh, seriously. It's, so it's such a great film. I can't wait to talk about it. Very hyped and, for that. Yes. Be very hyped. I hope everybody else is hyped, too. Thank you for joining us for this uh, journey through Annihilation. And as always, we will see you next time at the movies.